Welcome to Parallel Quest, the podcast where two friends talk about the stories we love and share our personal stories of the impact they've had on our lives. I'm one of your hosts, Cody Haggard, and alongside, or maybe more accurately said across the internet from me, my great friend, co-host, and author, Zach Butler. Zach, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. I th- For a second there, I thought you were going like softer with the intro, like your voice oh. was like lower and then i realized that my volume was just really down <laughs> i was like wow he's getting real hey, intimate with this one you know it's really popular for like the true crime drama so maybe we could try to <laughs> that's crime right voice. yeah the, welcome the, to parallel quest dude have you ever listened podcast. <laughs> have you ever listened to the podcast um it's called uh oh stuff they don't want you to know it's like a play on no. stuff they want you or stuff you should know it's stuff they don't want you to know. No, I haven't. Oh heard that my one. gosh, dude! You need to listen to just like the guys talk because it's like okay. I I want to know if it's their real voice, but it's like this time on stuff you they don't <laughs> want you to know. It's this real like emphatic, deep, like over the top voice. I always sure. am like, man, this is really. I mean, it's what you expect from like you know a podcast. It's about aliens and whatever yeah, else they sure. talk about but yeah. i thought i thought that's what you were going with for a second how awesome would it be to be the guy who has the career who's who's like the voiceover movie trailer guy even though they don't do that anymore it'd be awesome to be the guy who's like hey you know all those movies that were like in a world in a galaxy far far <laughs> yeah, away man. like how awesome would it be to just you know, be that guy and just randomly, yeah. like if you were ordering a pizza or something back when people still like called in orders to pizza, <laughs> like you just pulled out the movie trailer voice, but like, yes, I'd like to have a large pepperoni pizza with extra pepperoni, please. <laughs> yeah, dude. dude, there was, there was just that one guy doing it for a while. I think I know, it was just dude. one dude who did all of them, all the yeah. trailers and he was like, that bald dude. I can't remember yeah. his name, but yeah, I know exactly can't, who you're talking about. Can't remember his name either, but there's like a super cut of him on YouTube that I've watched before of him doing like like it's like an hour worth of his trailers. <laughs> what and a, I swear I've watched that thing a couple times. It's like, man, this guy's got this guy's got it made. Dude, I know. I mean, he's got the voice, man. I mean, he was he he was made to do movie yeah. trailers. It's kind of sad that they don't do like in a world anymore because I know. I mean, that was always fun to listen. I wonder when that went out of style, man. Like the the voiceover movie trailer. Now it's I feel like movie trailers anymore tell you way too much. I avoid movie sure, trailers, yeah. honestly. Even I don't really enjoy I haven't been to a movie theater in over a year though, but I don't really enjoy going early to catch the trailers anymore because I yeah. don't want to know the entire plot of the movie. I feel like that's right. the trend right now is here's the entire movie. But still go see it. I don't I don't get what the the, the angle they're yeah. working at. Movie there. trailers. Honestly, after seeing a movie trailer, you go to the movie and you're like, okay, well, I saw all that. And I just <laughs> yeah. saw longer versions of all of that. And <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like okay. the extended cut of every scene yeah, that I like, saw. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. So I true. saw the full movie in the trailer, and then I just went and paid money to watch the extended edition. Is basically uh, yeah. what we did. And speaking of extended editions, today's main topic when we get there uh, is Two Towers, and I'm extremely excited about it. But before we start talking about Two mm-hmm. Towers, obviously you have achieved a new status in your household, according to what we have here in our show notes. And mm. uh, I, I need some explanation on on how you have reached this status. I mean, is, is this official? And, you know, is this something that all men should be achieving to attain <laughs> in their families? Listen... I don't know if it's something you should be striving towards. This is more of a, a title I feel like I've just kind of come into. Um, so, so, kind of give backstory here. Uh, obviously, I mean, I, if you've been listening to the podcast, Leah is pregnant. We're expecting in September. So, she's into the phase of the pregnancy where she's hungry all the time. So we've gotten past all the sick phase and mm-hmm. the not feeling good and the tired. And now she's, she's hungry. She's ready to eat. But with that comes this new like mindset of every food is dangerous unless it's cooked over overcooked or just like, burnt to a crisp or just okay. dry gotcha. so yeah she's gotten to a point now no soft where no yeah, yeah i mean everything is is questioned man yeah. and so but it's not like she's questioning herself and going to the internet she's questioning me oh and so now i feel like i'm always on my toes now because i feel like i gotta know the answer because she'll and it's not like hey how long does like salmon last in the fridge it's it's on the spot man so example tonight we're cooking dinner and she's cooking up chicken and everything and she goes hey does this chicken look okay to you and i'm i'm like on my phone i'm like uh uh i mean i work with chicken i'm i'm pretty good around chicken but i looked at it and i was like it looks okay to me okay she's like but this spot right here, there's this area of the chicken. She's got like these chicken thighs or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. She's like, this area just doesn't look very good. And I'm going to be honest, man. I think it was a shadow or something because I was like, ah, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't really see, see it. How did it smell? Really, it's all- it smelled. I couldn't tell because there was so much seasoning on top of it. I only could smell the seasoning. Okay. And I didn't smell it before <laughs> it went in. So I was like, ah, I think it looks good. And so she's like, all right, well, if you think it's fine. And so. I don't know, a little while goes back or by and she has like cranberry juice. She's like, hey, how long does cranberry juice last? I was like, oh, I don't, I don't really know. Yeah. I honestly, I don't ever drink cranberry <laughs> juice. So Never thought I about tell it. You, I couldn't tell you, but I'm telling you, man, this is like, and I don't, I'm not complaining here. Like it's just, it's preparing me for a new role in my life mm-hmm. of being the resident like FDA representative of my house where it's like, I feel like I gotta know like how, like how long things last, like how thing, how overcooked or undercooked things are allowed to be. So even when we go out to eat, I'm getting questions, man. Like, Hey, do you think, do you think I can have this? I'm, ah, I don't, you know, let me check the internet. Yeah. Like, uh, let me, <laughs> like I'm literally on my phone, like all the time. Like, okay, can chicken be cooked to this temperature? Yeah. yeah. Like, 
is is cranberry juice good two weeks after you've opened yeah. it? Like I've, I've got a lot of those questions yeah. right now. The thing is, man, I what I got to remember, she's got another human inside of her because when I hear those questions, I'm like, I, I would I would do the old taste test. See if I feel okay, you know, an hour later, if I do, psh, it's fair game. I mean, it's like you and the Chinese. Food, like, uh, I'm just going to go for it. Go for it. Just dive in. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out later. And so. This can be heavy consequences, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, right. But I'm willing to take those on. But I get it for her. I mean, it's got to, you got to be careful. You got to be really careful. And yeah. so. I've kind of adopted. I don't know if you went through that phase. Though. I mean, you've had three kids. Your wife has gone through, you know, the the phases of pregnancy multiple times. I don't know if you were in that position like I am, where you're you're being asked, "Is, is the chicken okay?" Yeah, just by pure sight. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. Like, have you gone through that? I have. I have, and not just like a pregnancy thing, but I feel like it's just one of those things where, you know. You've got a family, you got, you know, I've got kids and you're going to have kids and you start to be just a little more conscious of, you know, what you're Mm. taking in, what you're eating, does it smell okay? But yeah, I've been asked those questions many a times, like chicken might, you know, they recommend having it in the fridge for no more than three days. It might be in there for five days. And and my (laughs) wife is like, can we- Maybe more like a week for me. Can we eat it? Can we eat it? And it's like, (laughs) well, you know- this is not food advice. This is not advice. This is just how I live, <laughs> yeah. okay? Uh, it's like, give it a smell. Give it a feel. If it smells okay and it's not slimy, it's probably fine. <laughs> you know? <it's, laughs> Throw it on. You're good you know? to go. A little season, you'll cover it up. You're fine. But then, here's what happens. Don't know if you've ever experienced this. When it's already being questioned, then when you cook it, it's all good. It's fine. Cooked to the right temperature. And you eat it, and you're eating it. It's fine. And then, you know, sometimes my wife will be like, "It just doesn't taste right. It just doesn't, oh. it, it just doesn't taste right." And it tastes fine, dude. It's it it tastes <laughs> fine. It's normal. It's like totally normal. It just doesn't taste right because the seed is like planted in the head. Uh, yeah, and it's just yeah. no good. But dude, and it yeah. kind of ruins like your meal a little yeah. bit because then you're going. Oh, maybe you're right. And like now every bite you're taking, you're like, yeah, that is a little chewy. Yeah, like right. is that that is a little much. <laughs> like, I don't know about that. So, dude, I agree, man. It kind of ruins it. You, you you get in your own head and then you you can't even enjoy your own I, meal that you're like, I would, it was fine 10 minutes yeah. ago when I said it was okay. <laughs> and I have a slight color deficiency. So technically I'm red, green, colorblind. And so another thing that'll happen is I like cutting the meat. Everything looks fine. Chicken looks fine. And then my wife will be like, hey, look, it looks a little pink in there. And to me, like, I struggle to differentiate what pink, the difference between pink <laughs> yeah. and white. And I'm looking in and I'm like, I really don't know. I, I, I can yeah. tell you, you know. I've so, been a loss here. <laughs> yeah. but, but I have never gotten sick from chicken or anything like that, even if we've eaten stuff that was undercooked or I've never eaten rotten food. Like, I, I take that back. Yeah. I have eaten rotten food. And so I know what it tastes like, but so <laughs> yeah. I haven't since then. It's actually a terrible story. I, I actually ate rotten. Uh, they served rotten turkey at a restaurant one time. Oh, And it no. was like an open-faced turkey sandwich because I used to like those back in the day. I've never had one since oh. this incident. But, you know, open-faced sandwich, they put the meat on the bread, and then they toss gravy on it. And then mm-hmm. 
like I took a bite of it and I'm like, oh gosh, this like it's not a, oh. this isn't a good one. And I was at the restaurant with my parents. I'm like, Dad, this this isn't a good one. And and then he like he like smells it, and takes a small bite of it. He's like, the turkey's rotten. <laughs> like, oh geez, that. Oh, and still to dude. this day, I remember vividly like what rotten meat tastes like, and it is it's not good. It's not good. So, are you able to eat turkey though at Thanksgiving, even with that experience? Because yeah. I know that can ruin food yeah. for a person for life. I'm okay with turkey. It's just open face sandwiches. No interest. No interest. No interest. Like never again. Oh, those are some of my favorite. They're too. good. They're great. But never again. Oh, just as soon as I see rough, it, man. it's like, you know. You ever like, okay, this might sound weird, but maybe it's because I watch too many movies, but sometimes like I also have experiences in my mind and like I have, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it, but like, like weird music starts playing in my head. Like, okay. Like whenever I think of this experience, I don't know why, but, uh. Like like this weird like rock and roll riff. I don't know. I don't know why it happens, but maybe it was something on it, that was on in the restaurant at the time. But whenever I think of that memory, I think of like this like you just like, hear, rawr, 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 you know, like, oh, oh gosh, no. I don't know. oh no. But uh, <laughs> you know, some yeah, open face sandwiches, yeah, never man. Again. Like yeah, so that's what I'm trying yeah, to avoid yeah. is. Like taking a big old bite of something rotten, it's, and so no whenever good. we go out to eat now too, it's it's like, can this be cooked overdone? And like, you don't want to go to every restaurant. And I get it. She's like, I don't want to be like, hey, I'm pregnant. I need this to happen. But I was like, babe, you can play that card. Like, that is like, this is the time to play the card right. of yeah. Make sure my food is cooked all the way through because like, I don't know, man. There's times where I'll go get a steak, and I'll be like, I like my steak. yeah. But there's times where I get it and it's like it's bloody. Yeah. I'm like, this is this is rare. Like this is borderline medium rare. I mean, this is definitely more on the rare side. And so for me, I'm like, ah, you know, I'll let it slide. But yeah, I, don't, I mean, for her, she's got to you got to, you know, cook it all the way through. So I was like, you yeah. got to play that card every time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But I am, yeah, man. I become the resident FDA like expert representative at my house right now. So now I'm I'm always I can tell you cook times. I can tell you how long things can stay in the fridge. How can you freeze? Can you unfreeze and then freeze again? Dude, I'm becoming quite the expert in food safety over here. Huh. Good. See, now the reason I I asked was I was curious if this was something to do with your job if you actually had to like go through like FDA training or something this is but this is strictly for for home this is an unofficial title for my house no this is nothing to do I am certified with like some things but like this is I feel like if an FDA agent came to my house I could be like listen Hey, let me walk you through it. Let me show you. <laughs> I thought they were going to send you a card in the mail, like you get your vaccine card and then you kind of waiting. Card, you know? <laughs> like. Yeah, I'm kind of waiting. <laughs> I'm waiting for it. But speaking of cards, man, mm-hmm. here's the transition. I see you got the library on yeah. here. Yeah. So I 
have taken my kids a couple times in the last couple weeks to the library. Like we're making family events out of it because for me, I love going to the library. Like it's mm-hmm. it's one of those places where in in a world where in a world where uh, <laughs> where borders no longer exist, like a place I just like to go and be is the library. Mm. I just kind of like to go and, and be there. Right? I like to be surrounded by a bunch of books. I I like to be surrounded by a bunch of people who aren't talking. I know that that sounds weird, but like... <laughs> when you live in a household <laughs> like you, you want yeah, some yeah, silence yeah. every now and then. I like to see people, but I don't want them saying a thing, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. Like. <laughs> but anyway, I... Um, I just love going to the library and and since have since graduating from from grad school I haven't really regularly gone. I used to go every Monday, but not for fun reasons, just to get out of the house, go somewhere quiet and and work. But mm. <clears throat> anyway, it's like okay, it's time to start really kind of teaching the kids how the library works and all of that. Mm-hmm. Because um you know, they they should have been doing it already, but because of all the weird covid stuff you know we kind of had to put like, yeah certain things on on hiatus till they were open again but anyway go to the library and like i said love going being quiet and, and all of that and so my two sons are a little rowdy um and so so take up to the library and and they were i was super impressed with them they were super good however mm. They have no, like, library etiquette whatsoever. <laughs> like, they weren't loud or rambunctious or anything, but mm-hmm. they would just... They, and and this, is, this is reflective of me as a parent, too, right? Like, yeah. just got to teach them the way. But, mm-hmm. you know, they're picking up books off the shelf, looking at them, getting all into it, and just, like, putting it some random place. <laughs> like, on the, on the tables in the kids' section. Like, oh, this looks great. Boop. And it's like, yeah, oh, guys, yeah. you gotta put them back, you know, so that <laughs> yeah. so that the person, you know, can do their job right. Um, and and it was it was a little stressful. It's a little stressful taking my kids to the library, and and I go and I feel like that they they just they kind of want to be there, but they kind of don't because they last for like ten minutes and they're like, hey, can we go? And it's like, well. Guys, it's kind of good to like peruse yeah. through the books you want to pick. We're just getting into it, you know, man. Ten wanna, minutes is just breaking in the you know, library. Flip through some pages, and you know they're very much you know, kind of you know, in and out types yeah, of, yeah. types of kids. So mm-hmm. anyway, uh, we went a couple times, quick trips, and then we had to take our books back, right? And mm. so, so I told them, I was like, guys, we're just we're just dropping them off at the door. And uh, it was it was one of those things where I was I was glad about it but sad about it at the same time because I really mm. didn't want to go in because we had other things to do. But yeah. they were like when I told them we couldn't go in and I went and dropped off the books. I come back and they were like crying in the car like we want to go in. So, <laughs> so anyway, even though I thought my first two trips to the library with the kids wasn't a great success, I know yeah. that in their mind maybe they just wanted out of the car. I don't know, but. I'm gonna I'm gonna believe in my mind that they're just they love the library so much they cry when they can't go in. So that's right, man. That's right, dude. I it's funny you say like how they are in the library because I was the exact opposite <laughs> in the library when I was a kid because I wanted to be the kid in the library 
that you didn't even know was in the mm-hmm. library until the lady is stamping on your car. I don't even think they do that no. anymore, but like how they used to like stamp the due date, like return <clears throat> it back on this time and this day. Like that's the only person in the library I wanted to know <laughs> that I had been in the library. Like that's how quiet yeah. and like unnoticed I wanted to be in there. Not because like I didn't want people to know I was in the library. It's just, it's, it's those unwritten yeah. rules of the of library. Course, yeah. You're silent. You put things back where they are. The only time I never put something back where it's supposed to be is at a grocery store. But in a library, I'm putting it right oh, back yeah. where it was. I'm making sure like the Dewey Decimal System, whatever they got going go. on there, it's like matches up. Like I was that kid. So to have your kids in there just being like how I am in a grocery store. Like, oh, I'll just put it awesome. back wherever. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I don't want people to know. I'm in like, I do. I'm okay if they know, but like, I don't, I gotta be silent. I don't want people to like, I don't want to draw attention to myself because I don't know. There's something about drawing attention to yourself in a library yeah. that I, I, I think it stems from my, my fear of, I don't want, to draw a room's attention to myself. Um, This is, I mean, with COVID, like if I somehow forgot a mask and had to like walk up and ask for one, I didn't want the person to yell at me before I got to them to ask for a mask. Like, Hey, do you want to put your mask on? I was like, that's what I'm coming to you for. (laughs) Like, don't yell at me because then everyone's going to turn and look at me. So I I have that fear. So in a library, I, I was like, I cannot have, anyone know that i'm in here other than the lady stamping the books on the i don't know what kind of person were you in a library i i am very similar i don't i don't like go out of my way to be extra quiet but it is a place where i kind of go to just do my own thing like whether it's going there for research because you know i was a very heavy research student too so i i when i was in college i loved going to the library a lot of a lot of People don't like going to their college library. But for me, I was like, oh, this is the place, guys. I mean, this is the most efficient place to get work done. I can't get a thing done in my dorm. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah. so I, I've always just kind of liked it. And it's always been a place where I could focus. But yeah, it's a quiet place for me. I'm not, you know, I, I never really, outside of like high school, um, I never really mm-hmm. went to the library to be social, right? Although... At our high school, going to the library meant a much different thing, which which you yeah um, <laughs> yeah so, yeah so yeah. but that's that a makes, long time in the sense. past. But yeah, for me, it's a quiet place. I go. I like to peruse. Like for me, it's a place of discovery too. Like like I'll intentionally like go out of my way to try and find books or authors that I've never heard of before. You know, because it's really yeah. easy. Like that's another thing too. Is like. It's really easy to get in your comfort zone and be like, okay, well, you know, I'll just grab the next Dean Koontz book or the next Clive Cussler book or, or you mm-hmm. know, next James Patterson book. The, the huge <laughs> authors, right, whose names you always see. But it's like, you know, there's people who write tons and tons and tons of books that are a variety of different types. So, and that's yeah. another place where the library is really cool. And it's it's neat, too, to, like, ask a librarian's recommendation. Like, hey, what? And it's free. I I mean, why not? It's free. That's the crazy thing. You can pick any book in there. Like, yeah, yeah, sure, take it. Just bring it back. It's legitimately got to be one of the most underutilized resources in in the the country. Because I think about it, and every time, you know, 
there's a promotion for like the Kindle Unlimited or whatever, like I'll take it, right? I'll take my two free months every time. But it's yeah. one of those things where when it comes time to pay for it, it's like, well, why why would I pay for this when I can just use my library? Like I I'm yeah, completely yeah. willing to wait three weeks to to get a book because what happens too is you know, if you are using Libby or Overdrive or whatever, while you're waiting for the book you want, you know, you can go through and, and it'll have like recommended books like this. Yeah. And you might find an author or a book you never heard of and you could grab that one and read that. And it's, you know, I, I like it. Um, yeah. It's, uh, it's also a nice place to go and just remind yourself like, oh, yeah, like physical print is still awesome, you know? Um Mm-hmm. A physical mm-hmm. media when mm-hmm. it comes to like movies and video games and all that stuff, I'm totally fine with all that being digital. Like I'm, it's it's fine. Um, yeah. But there's just something about like holding a book, getting through the pages, and um, yeah. And, I still and think just, it's like, the preferred medium cover, you know? too. <clears throat> yeah. 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 I mean, I've asked kids at my store and stuff. I'm like, what do you prefer? Do you prefer the digital or the hard copy? And Honestly, I think almost 100% of them have said, I prefer the the hard copy, the paperback. So I think it, it's still very much in demand. I think people still like building a library and showing for it. It's, I think it's always going to be around. So like yeah. going to the actual library is yeah. just a bigger version of that. It's yeah. just, it's, you know. It, I I always loved the library. I, I would always joke if I had any, if I was ever there with somebody, I'd be like, hey, Books are on me today. Like <laughs> I just, you know, you just, that's a total dad joke, man. Right? There. That is it's a like, total dad joke, man. But <laughs> I've been making that one for years. I love that. So if you're ever with me, you know, books are on me. Books are on Zach. Well, hey, yeah. you know that that is true, though. I mean, it's not totally a hundred percent guaranteed free. You know, if you put it on your account, you know, you're you're responsible for those late fees if your if your friend can't bring them back in time. That's so, that's true. That's true. You know, I, I do run that. that risk. There is that element of it, but I only, I only um, bring friends that'll pay. <laughs> <laughs> Last thing uh, about the library that I'll mention before we move on to our news and update section is, or not so much the library, but physical media, digital media, is that one area where I do prefer digital books is mm-hmm. like if it's an old edition of a book that hasn't been updated to have really legible font like there's some older books where they still were like trying to you know be as efficient as possible and there's like just like really small font on the page and Mm. you know i sound like an old man saying this (laughs) but but i i struggle to stay focused when the writing on the page is too small like yeah like my visual blur and you know i like a nice just you know i like to have if possible uh, at least 1.5 spacing on the on the page, or mm-hmm. if not, like slightly bigger writing, yeah. uh, which is why a lot of times too, I'll prefer um, some mass market paperbacks over the trade paperbacks because sometimes the trade paperbacks actually have smaller font mm. than the mass market ones. Um, I found that with Lord of the Rings, the Lord of the Rings uh, copies oh, yeah. I have, the the font was too small. And so I finally got an edition that has like standard font. And I was like, this is amazing. It's a one volume edition, but it's like yeah. readable font. So mm. that's always that's a that's good always point. A thing for me. Yeah. I think the copies that I have of it too. I also have a copy of um the 
the brothers Karamazov or however you say that, their name. And it is tiny. It's like um, like a college textbook kind of it's not a textbook, yeah. but it was like made by like a college publisher or college yeah. trade yeah. whatever. And so it is very small and it makes it really yeah. hard to read because I here's one thing I will say also about books before we move on is I like when chapters end and there's a no matter where you are on the page, you could have a, a, a word on the page and I want it to be blank the rest of the yep. way and the chapter to start on the next page. Mm-hmm. It just feels like you accomplished something. It feels yeah. like you made progress. Well, this book, the Brothers Karamazov one, it'll end and then it'll just say chapter three right in the middle of the page, the <laughs> same page you were on and you don't feel like yeah. you've gotten anywhere. <laughs> so. yeah, it sounds crazy and it sounds like cutting corners to save costs, uh-huh. but I'm sure in like a large print run of whatever they might have done, 10,000 books, mm-hmm. of a book they're really not going to profit off of because it's... You you know, public domain. Yeah. You know, it is. It's one of those things. Well, let's spend as little money on it as we we can because we're not really going to make money off of it. If anything, you're just trying to cover your costs. And yeah. so, yeah, there. I mean, there is that element of it. Um, but another sure. thing too. Speaking of chapters, it frustrates me so much when chapters don't have numbers. Like when, mm-hmm. like I, it's great. It's great that authors, you want to be creative, give your chapter a name or even just yeah. put like a, a page break and just start on the next thing, but always give your chapter a number because people like me, this is my beef with game of Thrones right now. I, I've been listening to the audiobook yeah. at work and then reading the digital copy on my Kindle. However, I have to go through and line up which chapter I'm in because the chapters don't have numbers. Like, it could yep. be super simplified. Like, you could still name the chapter, whoever's perspective it's from. I don't mind that. Just put a chapter number so that I can switch mediums easily. <laughs> like, come yeah. on, you know? Like, oh, my gosh. I get that. Yeah, that was a hard one because I did something similar when I was reading it. And I was always like, all right, I can't remember which Tyrion chapter I'm on because you got to search, 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 search. Yep. Like, okay, there I'm at. Yep. Okay, I'm in yeah, I'm the one I, in I, between Arya and Daenerys. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, where's that one? Like, where's that one? <laughs> yeah, dude, I I get that, man. There's a few books that I've had where, even when you're talking about it, you're just like, ah, it's the one chapter where like they do this, but I can't remember which it, one it is. <laughs> so yeah, I I get I get. Name your like number your chapters. Yeah, I just, number my chapters. Just put the numbers in. If you have a subtitle to go with the the chapter, leave it. I like that too. Totally. Fine. I love yep. chapter titles, but at least yeah. have the number. At the very least, put just put a number. I also I went through an audio book recently by Jim Butcher. Um, the with well, the first book in the Dresden Files doesn't doesn't have oh, yeah. doesn't have chapter numbers or chapter titles in the audio book. So it's just like. Yeah, because sometimes like I like to take a break, but I like to take a break after a chapter's over, right? Yeah. And so like I'm listening to this whole audiobook and I'm thinking, like, man, dude, this is a really long first yeah. chapter. I've been listening for like an hour. And <laughs> and sure it's enough, like, like the audiobook's broken up into chapters, but they don't have numbers or titles. It's just like the first line of the first sent, you know, sentence or whatever. Oh my gosh. Like, oh, yeah. Well, so you were just going. Well, that's, that's annoying. crazy. Um Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Well, guys. Wow. We're going to keep moving because we have some segments to get through before we, you know, 
end this show. We got a lot to get through, some fun stuff here. So quickly, Steel Lake Studio Newswise, Zach, tell us about Terror Town. Tell us about the newsletter real quick, and then we'll get moving on. All right, yeah. So Terror Town, guys, the first two books are out now. Nightmare at the Fair, Something Strange at Grandma's House. They are available on Amazon. You guys can get those on your Kindle. Um, they will also be available in hardback by the end of the um, month. So look for that as well. Um, the third book is being worked on. I will get you guys a little more of a teaser of that as the closer I get to it being published. But it will be out over the summer. Nice. Um, so check that out. Newsletter guys, the best way to stay updated with all things Steel Lake Studio is if you head on over to steellakestudio.com and if it's your first time on the website, a little box will pop up. It'll just ask, "Hey, do you want to join our newsletter?" Keeps you up to date on all the stuff we're doing with podcasts and books and articles. And right now we're going through a better storyteller series where we're kind of helping you become a better either oral storyteller or fiction writer or nonfiction writer. We're just kind of working through some of the, um, you know, the nuts and bolts of that. But sign up on that little box or you can go over to the community tab and sign up for our newsletter. We do not sell your information we don't give it away we don't sell to the alien overlords nothing which is you know (laughs) just for us and for us to stay in touch with you guys so that's the best way to stay in contact with uh cody and me yeah so that's that's what we got all right guys well we're moving on into our next segment which is entitled The Middleman. See, today we're talking about the two towers as our main topic as we finish up this segment here in a few minutes. But something I've noticed is that trilogies in storytelling, sometimes they're they're hit or miss. Sometimes it's like the first one gets you super excited about all the things that are to come, and then the trilogy just falls apart. Uh, Other times, the first one starts, and that's just the beginning, and each installment just gets a little bit better. So, but it's you know, trilogies. I mean, it used to be the way to go in in like big epic storytelling. Now it's like five part, six part, nine part. 45 part series like it just you know now we're just really upping the ante to where i think it's almost getting preposterous where it's like i think we need to get better in our storytelling of saying like hey this is the beginning and this is the end um yes however for now we're talking about trilogies but i think the second installment no matter the trilogy i think the second installment has the hardest job and the reason why is because you're stuck in the middle you have to take your characters and make them a little bit more interesting you have to progress them but you can't finish their story arcs right you have to Mm -hmm. successfully build the characters and tell a full story while continuing to get people excited about where it's gonna go you know Setting up Mm -hmm. that in the first story is doable, but then you have to like repeat that effect and do it better in the second installment, which is why I think a lot of times the middle book or the middle uh, movie in a trilogy kind of has the hardest time because I I really think it's the hardest one to make, which is why I think sometimes the second installment Mm -hmm. is either the best or the worst. It's 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 very polarized. Like it's it's very infrequent where they get better progressively, right? You know, it's kind of either up and down or sometimes, you know, like we'll talk about with a few of these, sometimes the second is the best. Um, But we're just going to go through a list of movies that are in a trilogy. And Zach, it's just going to be really simple. You'll say if it was better than its successor, 
uh, and better than its predecessor. So I should have said that in the other order. Is it better than its predecessor? And then <laughs> is it better than its successor? So so you could say, for okay. example, <clears throat> you know, we'll start with Empire Strikes Back, all right? The second Ooh. film in the original Star Wars trilogy. So you'll just say whether it's better than New Hope and better or better or worse than Return of the Jedi. So we'll start with Empire Strikes Back. Ooh, man. I'm going to say Empire Strikes Back is better than both okay. A New Hope and Return of the Jedi. Okay. I think it's the best one in the trilogy, and the original I, trilogy. I agree with you on that one. I think that's that's going to be the take with most people who like Star Wars. Although I will say this. This is something I have to say about Empire Strikes Back. When I was a kid, I liked Return of the Jedi the best. So as I got a little bit older and I cared more about storytelling, because for me, Empire Strikes Back when I was younger, like first getting into Star Wars movies, I always thought it was really cool, like some of the stuff, but I also felt some of it was like really slow and I wasn't necessarily Mm. as into some of the slower paced world building type of stuff. But Mm -hmm. I mean, now, I mean, it's definitely the best. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hands down. Staying in the Star Wars universe, but jumping to a different trilogy, we go to the legendary Attack of the Clones. And if you guys have heard our episode of Attack on the Clones, uh, you'll probably know where we stand. But Zach, Attack of the Clones. Oh, geez. I mean, for a a series that none of them were really that great, (laughs) this somehow is the worst. (laughs) It's worse than its predecessor, and it's worse than its successor, man. It is... The worst in the original trilogy. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think it is worse than Phantom Menace and worse than Revenge of the Sith. And I know a lot of people like to put Phantom Menace at the bottom of that list, but yeah, it's not as bad. I think it's I just, just I just give Phantom Menace a little bit more slack, um, because I don't know why. I don't know why. I just do. Uh, so anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Sticking in Star Wars. Sorry, guys, it's three Star Wars trilogies in a row because there are, you know, three Star Wars trilogies. So now we move to The Last Jedi, which, Mm. you know, this is one where I think, you know, there's a lot of mixes and matches where I think people will stand with The Last Jedi. So I'm going to say The Last Jedi is worse than Force Awakens. Okay. But I'm going to say... Oof. I'm going to say it's better than um, what is the rise of Skywalker. See, I almost yeah. forgot the actual <laughs> name of the last one. Um, I think it's I think it's worse or I think it's better than that, even though I will say the last Jedi. I think we kind of talked about this before. It's not really a Star Wars movie. No, it's not at all. it's a good movie. But it's not a Star Wars movie. It's just completely different. But I still think it's a it's better than the rise of Skywalker. And I actually think the last Jedi had, they left some things on the cutting room floor, um, in that film that probably should have been cut. Shouldn't have been part of that story in general. I actually think you have some pretty interesting moments in the last Jedi. Um, Mm -hmm. so I'll, I'll say that it's definitely worse than force awakens. Force awakens was just consistently from beginning to end a fun movie. Um, You know, it's not great. It's not amazing, but it's fun. Like it's it's fun to watch, right? But with mm. the Last Jedi, the expectations were so high, and it was like you really underdelivered, and you really intentionally took things in this you know weird direction because you wanted to be artistic mm. with a Star yeah. Wars film. And yeah, 
you know, there yeah. is there's something artistic about doing the simple well and delivering mm. on expectations well. But anyway, yeah. definitely worse than uh, Force Awakens. And I actually am going to say that it's slightly worse than Rise of Skywalker. And the only wow. reason I say that okay. is because if I'm going to sit down and just watch a movie to just have a fun evening, I would rather watch Rise of Skywalker than The Last Jedi. Not to say that mm-hmm. I think in its best moments, I think The Last Jedi is better. But at its worst moments, The Last Jedi is just a frustrating movie, um, you know, mm-hmm. with certain things. Whereas Rise of Skywalker, I literally went into that movie with zero expectations, thinking it was going to be trash, and it kind of surprised me in being mediocre. So being okay, you know, yeah. <laughs> like so I think yeah. I give it a little more grace. Okay, when, but now I think we're going to move into one where we'll probably both say the same thing: uh, mm. the Dark Knight, the second film in Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy. Yeah, um, obviously, I think this one's better than Batman Begins. I. I can't remember really the plot line of Batman Begins because I I think that's the worst in the trilogy, which is weird because it's the first one. Um, but I think it's also better than Dark Knight Rises. This one, I mean, this one just had the acting. It had the themes. It had chaos versus order. It had dark versus light. It had... Mm-hmm. You know, it had everything, man. It yeah. it was just a powerful movie. Christopher Nolan was banging on all cylinders with this one. Um, I mean, even people don't remember that it's the Batman trilogy. They think it's the Dark Knight trilogy. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, no, that's just that's the second movie. Yeah, it's actually the Batman trilogy. Yeah. So um, that's just how good this movie is, is that. Like people often forget Batman Begins was the first one <laughs> <laughs> and that uh, there was one after the Dark Knight. So mm-hmm. um, this one, I think, is just much better than both of them. Yeah, I think it's the same thing for me. Better than Batman Begins, better than the Dark Knight Rises. I actually kind of have Dark Knight Rises and Batman Begins on kind of even planes. I like mm-hmm. them both kind of equally for different reasons. Yeah, um, I, I think the Dark Knight is one of the one of the best movies ever made and it's yeah. definitely the best superhero movie ever made for a Hands lot down. for yeah. a lot of reasons um but yeah it's just it's one of those films that it's it's one where it's like okay this delivered on everything you want a second film to deliver on mm-hmm. which in some ways you walk out of that movie and you're just like there's no way a third one's going to top. You're like, like I'm good. There's, <laughs> yeah. there's no way, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. so anyway, let's move on to another superhero trilogy, Spider-Man. Spider-Man 2. So we're talking about Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. Spider-Man 2. Ooh, you're going to have to remind me. Who's the villain in Spider-Man? Dr. Octopus. Doc, Doc Ock. Okay. Um, okay. It is definitely worse than the original Spider-Man. Like, the first one with um, Green Goblin. You think so? Like definitively worse? Um, yeah, I think okay. I enjoyed Spider-Man more. I enjoyed okay. the origin story. I enjoyed the the dynamic of Green Goblin and you know Peter Parker and ah oh, man, I'm forgetting James Franco's character's name. Harry. Um, Harry. Harry. Yeah. So I like that dynamic. I thought it was good. Um, I 
it, no question it's better than the third one um yeah. they just <laughs> i completely write spider-man 3 from my memory because it's just so bad and i don't know what they were doing with that movie but um i think this one's got good themes i like doc ock i like that he's kind of the tragic fallen like villain where he's trying to do good and just he you know kind of succumb to his his machine and mm-hmm. his, his ego really um but yeah i i would say i would argue that spider-man the first one is is better i so i like the predecessor but i don't like this successor at all okay all right, so I'm I'm going to actually say that this is my favorite in the trilogy. So I think it's better than the first, better than the third. Okay. Obviously the third is just trash. But um yeah. but I do I actually thought Spider-Man 2 was a was an improvement over the first one uh, cuz cuz I thought that mm-hmm. it 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 dealt with the progression of Peter Parker as a hero really well that a lot of superhero films struggle with doing well. Like, if you watch a lot of superhero sequel films, the second film is... is Superhero films, it seems like the second film's always terrible. Um, Yeah. Like, you know, Winter Soldier was a pretty good sequel for Captain America, but, Mm. you know, you could say that a lot of the world building outside of the trilogy is, you know reason for its success but yeah i think spider-man 2 is better than both in my opinion now we're now we're leaving okay. the realm of sci-fi and superheroes and going into a super grounded movie Ooh. here D- d2 the mighty ducks <laughs> oh, where do you think this one stands in the mighty oh. ducks trilogy of films dude okay here's the, here's the honest truth i never saw d3 so Oh, um, I never saw the third Mighty Ducks, so I've I gotta say I think Mighty Ducks is better than D two. Okay, just it's the original cast yeah. of characters. I don't really I can't compare it to the third one because I never, never saw it. Okay, but, but I would say this one's worse than the predecessor. Okay. So the, the Mighty Ducks movies are kind of like a downward trajectory, right? I think the first is the best, <laughs> yeah. the second, and then the third. Even though it's a classic, yeah, you know, trilogy in, of just as a kid, you did it right, then you went. I loved D two Mighty Ducks. I mean, come on, guys, we got the knuckle puck. I mean, what iconic moment in that movie? How somehow some yeah. some kids playing hockey on rollerblades made the Junior Olympics team. Don't ask me how it's a movie, um, <laughs> but I I I do like D two a quite a bit for nostalgic reasons. But the first one is the best one. All right, mm. uh, and here we go, getting into a uh, film about espionage, uh, the second film in the Austin Powers trilogy, The Spy Who Shagged Me. <laughs> yeah. This is gonna this is gonna be an interesting one. I'm I'm curious what you're gonna say about this one because I have some thoughts on on this movie. Mm. All right, so The Spy Who Shagged Me is actually, for the longest time, I did not know that there was one before this. Oh, really? Um, yes, oh, so, because okay. I saw this one and loved it. I fell in love with the whole spoof of, you know, 007, and <laughs> I, I mean, Michael Myers kills it. Oh, like, it's yeah. just, this is one of the funniest movies <laughs> I've ever seen, so... I, I love the spy who shagged me. And then I actually saw is it the international man of mystery. That's the mm-hmm. first one. So I saw that one after I saw gold member. Okay. So oh, I wow. saw him in this weird, like two, three, one order. 
And so for this one, this one always held a real special place in my heart because it was the first one that I saw. But I got to say, if I'm going for sheer humor, which is what these movies are all about, I think gold members funnier, man. I think gold member is better than the spy who shagged me. But the spy who shagged me and international international man of mystery are hard for me because they're both really funny and on the same level. But I'm probably going to say spy who shagged me is just slightly, slightly better than international man of mystery. I think the jokes are a little funnier. Um, they really build on some of the spoofs from the first one to make them even funnier, which is, I think what makes these movies so great is you get a joke in the first movie and they're playing it all the way through to the third one. So it makes it even funnier by the time it lands in the third Mm -hmm. movie. Um, so I think gold member though, the third one is funnier than this one. And then I think the first one is slightly less funny than this. one. Okay. So I'm, I'm in agreement with you on gold member. I, I think the, you know, gold member yeah. is, is funnier, <laughs> down but, but I, for me, and maybe it's cause I saw the films in order, but you know, oh. I do think spy who shagged me is the, uh, the worst out of all of them, but I think they're all mm-hmm. hilarious. Like I, I'm yeah. always down to watch an Austin Powers movie cause they just make me yeah. laugh, but, um, <laughs> but I kind of like them like, you know, one, two, three. So <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then okay, here we go. Here we are. Here we are. This is uh, this is another one that a lot of people have uh, opinions on. Terminator Two, Terminator Two. How do you think that Terminator that turns two. out? That's the one. Oh man, I've seen a lot of Terminator. So Terminator's I got Terminator's the one with the the where Arnold Schwarzenegger. The liquid guy. Good. Yeah, in the liquid Terminator. Okay, yeah. that's T two. Yeah. Okay. Um. Ooh man. Ooh, this one's tough. Oh, it's Terminator three. Remind me, is Terminator three with is Arnold Schwarzenegger fighting himself? Then, like another version of I can't remember I which one that's, that's in. The one where there's like a huge battle. I thought Rise of the Machines. Yeah, it came out in two thousand three, and there's okay. <clears throat> is that with Christian Bale? No. No, no, okay. that one was. Uh, I've seen I th- that one. Was way that one too many like of these. Terminator Risen or something weird like that. Terminator Resurrection. Yeah. I don't. It, like one of those typical sci-fi. Uh, the thing is, names. yeah, ter- Terminators have had so many movies, and if you see them, they all pretty much <laughs> boil down to oh, the same Terminator thing. So, like, it's right? hard to like. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to sift through it all. Um, honestly, I like the Liquid Terminator. Yeah. So I'm gonna say T2 <laughs> is better than the first Terminator, even though I know Terminator like was this whole new genre not genre but this whole new movement in film with like you know cgi and just the the visual effects like it it was a groundbreaking film and Mm -hmm. a fresh storyline um something looking to the future of like this is what one day humanity could be facing with machines and Mm -hmm. regardless that's all cool i think liquid terminator is way cooler than Schwarzenegger chasing down everybody in the first one just it brought a new element to it also the CGI was awesome with him like it was that was revolutionary for the time so um, I'm gonna say T2 is better than the first one I do not remember T3 then very well so I can't really speak to it's probably worse than 
Terminator 3 or 2. Yeah, I Terminator 3 wasn't very good. Uh, I would say Terminator 2 is the best. I think a lot of people think Terminator 2 is the best. Yeah. And, and it's kind of like the Terminator films for a long time felt like a two-part series. So oh. we just got a little interruption from my son, but I'll just quickly uh, say Terminator 2 was the best one. Uh, I think Terminator was pretty good. And then Terminator 3 just kind of popped up out of like left field in the early 2000s. And it was yeah. like, oh, hey, we're, I mean, we're still making these. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know? We're like, oh, it's a trilogy now. Okay, got and, it. And now since then, they, I think they've made like three more, which I saw the one with Christian Bale. And then after that was like, I don't care. See, I kind of like the Christian Bale one. We'll have to do a, we'll have to do a cast on that one because... That was yeah. a. I, I like think that it was one. bad, and it gave us that viral clip of Christian Bale cussing the people out, which was awesome. Oh yeah, that's uh, true. <laughs> but but yeah, I you know I never I never really had any interest in seeing any beyond that. So yeah. Anyway, next trilogy, X Men, X Men Two. What do you think about this one? Oh my goodness, we keep having technical issues with Zach's uh, picture over here. What's going on? It's all good. Um, here's all I'll say. I. I don't recall X2, man. I saw X-Men. I'm a guy, man. I'm, okay. I like I like Wolverine. I watched all the Wolverine movies. I'm not a big X-Men guy, so I never saw... I, I probably saw X-Men 2, and I don't remember okay. much it's from it. So Nightcrawler. I, oh, yeah. That one was awesome. Um, was it better than the first, though? I never saw the third. It's probably. I think it's better than the first. The first was just super cheesy. It's got saber tooth in it, man. You can't have, <laughs> have saber tooth in a movie and take it seriously. So it's it's got the frog guy in it. Oh yeah, it's yeah. all coming back to me now. Uh yeah, no, X Men Two is way better, <laughs> way vast improvement on the first one. It actually surprises me they got enough money to make a second one. Yeah, yeah. I, I was about to say I was like, oh, it's a bummer you you haven't seen that one because it's definitely the best. Um, yeah, no, that is yeah. Now I'm recalling. Is that the one with the the guy with the wings, the angel um, looking no. guy? Or is that the third? No, that's the third one. That's so, the third one. Okay, getting them all mixed up. So X Men um, Two is very heavily focused on just Magneto continuing to be bad. I think. Can't remember. Or like, there's other mutants popping Gray, up or whatever. I mean, that's yeah. the third one. Jean Grey getting yeah, evil. okay, getting evil. G great. Yeah. Getting evil. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Um, second one going with the second one right. better than the first. I think it's better than this third. I can't really remember the third. Mm-hmm. I remember the first very well. So <laughs> yeah, we'll go X-Men two better than the first, just for the sheer fact. I know that the first one's terrible. And now we're getting into a phenomenal film here that I know Zach, you've got to love this one. The matrix reloaded matrix. Yeah, reloaded. Where's this fall in the matrix trilogy? Ooh. All right, so obviously the first one's the best. Um, Matrix Reloaded. Whew, this one's controversial amongst Matrix fans. Um, some people will say it's better than the third. Some people will say it's it falls and then it rises again in the third. I think it all depends on which, which avenue you pick to watch these movies. If you want to watch action, I agree. It goes high action in the first. This one is all storyline, what the Matrix is. We got to get our philosophy in there. And then the third one's back to just, you know, mechs and blowing up machines and stuff. So 
if you watch it from an action movie standpoint, I think this one's the worst. I think if you watch it from a philosophical slash story character development aspect, I think this one's the best out of the three or not. No, sorry, not out of the three. Definitely worse than the first. I think the first is a, a monument of film, mm-hmm. um, but I think it's better than the third. Okay. I think story wise, character wise, I think it's better than the third. Yeah. So that's where I'll stand. It's hard for me to say where it lies in comparison to the third because I've only seen the third movie and like choppy experiences. It's definitely worse than the first. Although you mentioned it's not as great of an action movie, though I will say this has some really awesome action scenes. Um, yeah, like absolutely. The, the car chase scene is really cool in the movie. I remember, mm-hmm. I remember being younger and just putting this movie in to watch that scene. Like the mm-hmm. the car chase, and then the yeah. the playground scene where he fights all those Agent Smiths is pretty cool. I remember liking that back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, for me, definitely worse than the first. And then it's because of your birthday, man. I ought to just have this disdain for <laughs> for the wait. Third. That's not worse than the first. Oh no no sorry yeah I get what you're saying so I, I just have reason, this... I was like you're saying the first was okay I get what you're saying yeah yeah and so I just like because it's like as soon as I was just trying like finally dozing off it's the <laughs> third one is on and a friend of ours is just going nuts over the end oh, scene yeah. of the third Matrix so I'm like dude come on. who watches movies <laughs> like this like who watches who watches <laughs> movies like this at like four in the morning like yeah. all jacked up like he's watching a live sporting event I'm like man dude just, just <laughs> yeah. go to bed <laughs> yeah the sun's gonna be uh, rising here any second yeah uh, next oh, trilogy man. Indiana Jones and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom Dr. Jones Dr. Jones that's right hmm um, ooh, this one's tough, man. Um, it's definitely worse than the first. I think I, the first one was just a solid Steven Spielberg movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was Spielberg, Spielberg, Spielberg during his prime, like just, I mean, whatever his prime was, but he was just banging out awesome movies. And this one just kind of hit every aspect. The first one did hit every aspect of like, if you had a, a, a checklist of what a good action movie needed. Steven Spielberg checked it all off. So this one, um, short round was kind of annoying. Um, but the scene with the guy ripping out the dude's heart was pretty sweet when I was a kid. That was pretty awesome. So that kind of redeems it a little bit, but I, I just think that it was very much just a repeat of the first one. Okay. Um, so I didn't, yeah, Temple of Doom, and then you know the what was the, what's the third one the the last, last crusade? crusade. I wasn't sold on the whole chalice and the knight and all that stuff. So, okay, I think this is worse than the first, but better than the third. So it's it's a traditional, I think, second like not as good but better than the third. So okay. kind of that downward trajectory a little bit. Okay. See, I think I'm, I actually think that's worse than the first and worse than the third. I like, I think the last crusade was a bump up over temple of doom. Okay. Um, and part of that could just be like the fascination with the Holy grail. I think that that's yeah. like historically and culturally, like everybody knows what it is. 
As everyone knows what it is, but every I bet you if you pulled like 10 people on the street, ask them, you know, if they've ever heard, heard of the Holy Grail, most people would say yes. And then if you ask them, what is it? Most of them wouldn't know. <laughs> like, yeah. Tell me what. Yeah. Tell me what it does. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, why yeah. is it holy? Uh, um, so, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. It's in that Monty Python movie. You know? <laughs> yeah, they're looking for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, I think that this one is is the worst in that original trilogy. I guess there's a fourth movie, so this is technically not a trilogy. But we'll just forget the fourth movie for now. No. Um, all right, next trilogy, Born trilogy, the Born supremacy. Where do you think that one lies in the Born trilogy? This, one, this is a tough one for me. Why don't you give me it, man? Because I am not. I I've seen all three, but it's it's been a while. So why don't you just you give me your three? So this is a tough one because I love the first and the second movie. I like them both a lot. Don't really like the third movie. Okay. Um, I thought that the. I didn't. I don't think they landed the plane well in the third movie. But I yeah. do think the Born Supremacy is the best in the series. I do. Ooh. I do. I think it's better than both. Got an Empire Strikes Back. Just uh, like, just like here. slightly, because because and you know the thing that's really cool about that trilogy of films is they are like totally linear sequential. There is no gap yeah. in time between the end of the first and the end of the second and the end of the you know well I guess once yeah. the third's over it's over. But I always thought that was pretty cool like how there's no gap in time. It is like three movies mm-hmm. and like bam bam bam. Like that, that yeah. was always cool about those films. Mm, but I just cool. I think the second one picks up right where the first one left off and it raises the stakes. It starts to kind of unveil some of the mysteries behind Jason Bourne a little bit more. Um I thought that I just thought it was a really good movie. <clears throat> nice. Nice. All right. We're down to the last two here, man. We've got The Godfather 2. Mm-hmm. What did you think? Uh The Godfather Part 2 is the best Godfather movie. Uh yeah. I I kind of prefer the, like the the time frame and the the portion of the world that is focused on in the Godfather yeah. part 1 like I I like that I'm not as into like the casino gambling acquisition type of thing they're trying to get in with the later Godfather but I love the backstory of uh, mm. Don Corleone, Don Corleone in, yeah. in the second Godfather and how they intertwine that, like how Don Corleone became the Godfather and then how Michael's kind of going through a similar mm-hmm. process and, and how those two things look different. Um, yeah. I just, I, it's just, it's one of, it's one of the best movies um, ever made. And yeah. so was the Godfather. Like those two hand in hand are two of the best movies. Yeah. Ever made. It's and tough, man. That's yeah. When I saw this up there, I was like, Oh gosh. Cause I seen half of the third, the third just kind of, I mean, it doesn't feel already like Godfather too. It, it doesn't feel yeah, like it, it doesn't feel like it. And then like you've already invested six, Six hours of your time at first <laughs> long. And yeah. so then when you're not really interested in the third one, you're like, I don't really want to spend three more hours watching this. So I actually only watched half of the third, but I've seen the first two and I got to agree, man. I think this is one of the best movies. I've just, just the best movie I've ever seen. One yeah. of them. So yeah. Um, yeah. Godfather two, even though it's hard to say because a lot of iconic, I think, um, lines come from the first one. Yeah. I think the second one is just a, 
better yeah. film, better movie. Which is really saying something when you can take Marlon Brando out of a film and then like make a sequel where he's not in it, where he was kind yeah. of a very iconic character, and then make a better movie. It's like, that's, that's insane. <laughs> yeah. that, you know, that's really yeah. something. Yeah. All right, next one, the Back to the Future trilogy. What do you think about Back to the Future 2 versus its predecessor Ooh. and successor? All right, I got to remember what the second one is because I've seen all three. When he goes to the Actually, future and meets his family, he he meets himself and f- oh. his family in the future. Really wacky. Yeah. Um. I mean, the whole Back to the Future, great. Loved it. I think that's the best one. So I'll, I'll go with Back to the Future 1. I think it's the best film. Two, we're getting a little weirder. Three, I hardly remember. So, that's um, a Wild West one. That's the Wild West one. Oh, my gosh. That was so bad. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that's right. I remember that. Um, yeah, it's just, I think this is a classic. Like, you did the right thing, and then it kind of just kind of went downhill from there. It didn't need to yeah. be a trilogy, honestly. So, um yeah, this is definitely worse than the first, better than the third, because the third is a, uh, it's got a Spider-Man 3 <laughs> kind of vibe to it. We're just going way out there. Hey, you're being a little controversial here. I think a lot of people like the third Back to the Future. Really? Um, oh, but, but okay. I'm on the same page as you. I think it goes one, two, three. I think one's the best. Second is like a significant step down, like it's like it's like yeah. jumping off the cliff and then and then the third movie like you're kind of still tumbling down the cliff a little yeah. bit. it's not that much yeah. worse but like the second movie was just so dumb maybe for its time right. the way they handled going to the future and all that stuff was neat but it was oh my gosh just so dumb um yeah but uh yeah and then that gets us into our main topic for today and before we start talking about some of the stats and goings on of the film, let's talk about the two towers where it lands in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, which I will come out and say is my favorite trilogy of films ever made. Uh, mm-hmm. I personally think mm-hmm. it's the best trilogy of films. Uh, which, <laughs> what do you think? Is it the best film trilogy ever made? I know you're a huge uh, Star Wars fan. I'm going to have to disagree with you, man. I'm going to say I think Star Wars. Okay. I think I, that's my favorite, and I think that's the best one. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. we, I, we a disagree close on that. On, yeah. On that. Yep. And I, I, I think it's, it's close. <clears throat> like, in the world of film, I mean, the fact that Star Wars is not an adaptation, I think, gets gives it some bonus points. Um, yeah. You know, that's something to think about, too. Whereas, you know, Lord of the Rings was adapted off of an intellectual property that was already successful. So it was kind of yeah. already set up to be successful um, if he executed well. <clears throat> but Yeah. So. But it did win tons of awards. Yeah. It just revolutionized how film was made. I mean... The two towers, Star Wars did too. I mean, they they revolutionized how film was made. But two towers, and I mean, just the the Lord of the Rings trilogy took what was given to them, and just, I mean, the set pieces are incredible. They used like real actors. Um, I mean, it it was a monument in filmmaking, and it deserved all what, eleven awards at one. So I mean, one tons. Yeah. But as for the two towers, for me, oh, this one's this one was tough 
for me to decide because I have such a sentimental value Mm -hmm. with the second one that I'll get to in my initial impact. But I think, oh man, dude, this is tough because as I get older, shift around for me. Mm -hmm. When I was young, when I was young, I would have said the two towers is better. It's got the most action. It's got huge battles. It's got like various locations. Um, I would have said that that the first one is the boring because it's got barely any fighting in it. It's all just walking around. Uh, I would have said the third was awesome because it just concluded it in a really epic way. Mm -hmm. I think now at age 30, I'm going to say I think the the third one is my favorite. Okay. I think I it's it's tough because it's also like the book, the third book is so good too and yeah. it like I can't not watch the third movie without filtering it through the third book yeah. lens a little bit, but I still think I think the third one is better than the second. I think the first for me is better than the second as well. Okay. Um I just think that the older I get, I appreciate the first more and more for the characters and who they are at the beginning of their journey. Because the the what the beauty is of Lord of the Rings trilogy is that it it very much is a classic storytelling structure as well, even within just the movies. Like yeah, yeah. In in the first movie, in you know Fellowship of the Rings, you have your 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 start, your climax and your resolution. You have like the classic one, two, three, mm-hmm. um, modes of story, like plots of storytelling where then you kind of zoom out a little bit and you've got that same thing in the trilogy. So you've got them starting out on the journey, them going up to like this climactic battle and then like the resolution or another climax and then resolution at the very end. Yeah. So, um, it's yeah, but I I think as I get older, I think the first I just like knowing where they came from, what they're leaving behind, what they're sacrificing to go on this journey that I mean, most of the world has no idea that they're doing this to save them. Yeah. And frankly, probably doesn't really care that they're going on this journey. <laughs> and so like when you kind of put that into perspective, it's just like, man, these guys are real heroes. So. Um, all that to say, I know I've said a lot there, but yeah, I, I think, I think the third is the best, then the first, then the second. Okay. Yeah. For me, I, um, I have to put this one as like the first was better. Third was better, but I mean, they're all great, right? It's really hard to choose. Okay. What's the greatest of the great. And I do think that there's a lot of things, especially we'll get into it as we talk more about it. I think that this movie, in some necessary ways, deviates far from the book um, in a lot of ways. Mm. Probably necessary for making it into a movie. Which, you Mm -hmm. know what's kind of weird is that the first one feels very much like the first book. The second one doesn't really feel a lot like the second book, but the third one kind of feels like it got closer to the book again, which yeah, is kind of back. kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are some scenes in this movie from an action standpoint that this is like a 20-year-old film now, and there's still mm-hmm. movies that would still like to get to the level of some of the things that they did in this movie. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And we'll talk about that when we get here in... in 
probably it probably won't happen again when we when we examine how they actually went about making the epic battle scene of Helm's Yeah. <laughs> so oh, so good. So today we're talking about Two Towers. Two Towers Lord of the Rings second installment came out in the year 2002. So let's talk a little bit about what was going on in the world in 2002. The the planet was just a, a wee 6.2 billion people back then. A billion less people, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about this uh, the last two episodes, and these these are these last two are only two years apart. So population didn't grow mm-hmm. that much. Um, <laughs> also, this was kind of interesting. This was the first season that American Idol premiered on Fox. So, I mean, what a year. First year of American Idol and you got the two towers. What more could you ask for, guys? And right now, supposedly, we're in the midst of a a gas crisis that's going to creep up on us. And you got people taking you got people taking their uh, their tubs to the to the gas Mm -hmm. station, filling them up with gasoline and. Probably not thinking how heavy that thing's gonna be, and <laughs> but back in two thousand two, gas was a a mere one dollar and thirty seven cents per oh, gallon. Which, that hurts to see. <laughs> which was great, and then a couple years later, that price would skyrocket after certain um, deployments and. Mm-hmm. Then also, hey guys, in the world of sports, this is when Lance Armstrong. Live strong. The man who was an icon was disqualified oh, yeah. for doping in the Tour de France. And I tell you what, this was a heartbreaking <sighs> thing for us as kids. I remember reading articles about this guy on the Sports Illustrated Kids Edition. He was an icon. He was a cancer survivor. He was just a man's <laughs> yeah. man. Come to find out, hey, when you have to come back after being real sick, you might need to do a little drugs, a little steroids. <laughs> and he was juicing the juice. He was hanging out with Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire taking That's the right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And I was so upset uh-huh. to find out Lance Armstrong was one of the dudes taking the juice. Um, <laughs> and then to go into the world of entertainment, the top five television shows in 2002. Mm. CSI, Crime Scene Investigation, like the original CSI, not one of the variants. Number two, Friends. I believe Friends was getting close to their final season. I think their final season was in like 2004. This show I've never heard of. Number three, Joe Millionaire. You ever heard of Joe Millionaire? Joe Millionaire. It sounds like Joe Exotics. Like (laughs) Joe Exotics. Alter. Alter yeah. ego, like if, if you, yeah, he came out of jail. Like he's like, I gotta be uh, Joe Millionaire. I'll be <laughs> Joe Millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, number four was ER. This show was on forever, uh, and Huge. then oh number five, yeah. American Idol. <clears throat> yeah, and and I think yeah. as time would go on, American Idol would skyrocket to number one on that list. But yeah. Number six, hey, guys, this is kind of in the recent past, and and this is just kind of something that, you know, has always been questionable, but was more popular, oh, that's a weird way to describe it, but kind of got more attention in the last 10 years or so, but... In 2002, the Netherlands, I I didn't realize this happened this early, uh, became the first country in the world to legalize euthanasia. Didn't realize that that happened in 2002. Mm. I thought that that was much more in the recent past. Um, But Yeah, that's still, I mean, 
still pretty recent. <laughs> it, <laughs> like, is, it is pretty recent, but I feel like a lot of the controversy about it rose up probably in like 2011, 2012. Um, yeah. When that one girl had that viral vlog that exploded yeah. of, you know, the whole dying with dignity thing. Mm. Um, but, mm. but I guess that had been legal since 2002 in the Netherlands. Wow. And then lastly, number seven, Internet wow. Explorer was the most popular web browser with a market share of 95%. Oh, damn, where did it go wrong <laughs> for them? <laughs> and the hottest website on the internet, AOL.com. AOL.com, man. You will never type that in your web browser, ever. Well, I think Verizon bought AOL, so... Yeah. So AOL is still around, and Verizon just bought all those accounts. <clears throat> yeah. So I think there's still like 11 million people. Some maybe I have that number wrong, but there's still a significant amount of people. Usually, I think they're elderly. Like I think the medium age range is like 73 or something like that. Mm-hmm. That you still use AOL. So there's still a big market share of it out there. And I think AOL now is like merged with Yahoo. So if you go to AOL, you're basically taken to Yahoo's feed. Yeah. Uh, and then some stats about the film. Guys, holy cow, the stats, the stats are are really yeah. encouraging on this one. All right, let's talk about the critics. Yeah. Critics love this one. Metacritic, they're just like, this is an 87%. This is, this is what they consider a must-see. This is the highest ranked this is the highest metacritic score we've ever talked about on an episode of parallel Quest. yeah um mm-hmm. actually you know what we did discuss fellowship of the ring but that was before we were doing the stats so maybe that was ranked higher i don't know um audience gave this a 9.0 on metacritic rotten tomato t- tomatoes <laughs> <laughs> rotten tomatoes <laughs> <laughs> tomato, tomato, tomato. Ninety-five <laughs> percent uh, for both critic and audience. That's awesome! I, wow. IMDb gave this an eight point seven. That's supposed to be an eight point seven, not an eight <laughs> seven out of ten. An eight point seven out of ten. And just a side note is that this is the number fourteen movie on IMDb's top two hundred fifty movies of all time. And any movie you could imagine is part of their ranking system. So. That's pretty high. And talking about some other movies we talked about in this episode, Godfather Part 2, I believe is the number one movie on that list. So it just kind of goes to show you how good that movie is. Uh, Plot summary. We're just going to do this real quick. Here's the deal, everybody. Plot summary. First thing we got to say. Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen Lord of the Rings The Two Towers, we're talking about everything. This is also the type of movie someone could tell you exactly what's going to happen, and it won't affect your enjoyment of the film whatsoever. It's just like Lord of the Rings just doesn't have that type of essence, right? It doesn't have the mm-hmm. type of essence where it's like, oh, I can't know spoilers. It's like, hey, it's it's a classic storytelling theme yeah. where you know the good guys are going to win, right? Like you just, you know, yeah. from, the, from the time the journey begins, you know the good guys are going to win. Uh, even mm-hmm. like the cliffhanger moments in there, you're like, okay, like, you know the good guys are going to win, okay? So, so this is just certain yeah. people who can't die. I think... I guess there is one person who returns in Two Towers who could, that could be kind of surprising, but he was also in the marketing material. So, you know, <laughs> there's, <Yeah>. there's that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the plot summary, very, very actually straightforward. 
the Fellowship is split up into two groups. There's Frodo and Sam, and then there's Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli, who are then searching to try and help and find Merry and Pippin. So the three... Um, Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas, they're called the Three Hunters because they're hunting after orcs, because they're trying to save their friends, and they stumble upon horse lords who say that the the king of Rohan is going crazy, he's got a deceptive counselor in his ear called Grima Wormtongue, and things are going really bad, everything's kind of going to poo, and so they have been disbanded from the kingdom of Rohan, and so they're just like free riding, trying to find out, you know, what people of Rohan are still dedicated to um, the original cause, right? And they're just, they're, yeah. they're, they're exiled, and so then Aragorn and his friends, they come across him, and then he's like, hey, guys, you know, we're gonna go to, you You know, your friends might be in that orc pile over there, we killed a bunch of them in the night, and your friends might be over there, and so they go, they check it out, <laughs> sure enough, the friends aren't over there, but there's a bunch of burnt bodies, and then Aragorn, he's a tracker, so he's like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, they're still alive, let me go check it out, hey, they went into these woods, so they go into these woods, they don't find the hobbits, but they find the wizard, Gandalf, he's back from the dead, Ah, uh, and so... Then they go, and then they go, and they go to Rohan. They're like, wait a minute, we can't have one of these iconic kings of the land being, you know, deceived by this this pale guy named Grima. We got to go. We got to go get him <laughs> into shape. So Gandalf, he goes in to, to Edoras, the capital of Rohan. He goes into the Hall of the King, smacks him on the head with his staff, you know, gets the <laughs> evil spirits out of him. It's, it's, his, his beard becomes magically blonde again and much shorter. And he, so great. He, you know, the de-aging technology, yep. you know, that wasn't quite as, as, as good as it is now, but... But, you know, they, they made him look younger. It was still pretty impressive. And then there's this maid in there named Eowyn who's, who's always, like, giving the googly eyes towards Aragorn. And she, like, starts googly-eyeing him for no mm -hmm. reason whatsoever other than the fact, like, he hey, he's a dude, not from here. So let's, let's yeah. googly-eye yeah. him. And so... <laughs> And so they they're like, hey, you know, we got to get out of here. The, the the forces of Isengard just coming through the lands, you know, and they're just raiding villages, burning them. They got the Dun Landings teaming up with them, and they're just destroying. We got to go shore up at Helm's Deep. And so, anyway, this is where the books and the movies they deviate a little bit. This is not what happens in the mm -hmm. books. I'm giving the film synopsis here. Um, so anyway, they go to Helm's Deep, and people shore up in there, and the orcs come, there's a big battle, and of course the good guys win, a little deus ex machina happens, uh, Gandalf comes at just the right time, with the exiled yeah. Rohirrim. Hey, he called his shot, okay, at least he said, I was gonna do first, this, so it's not too much. First son of the third day, uh, you know, very yeah. uh, biblical, we'll say, and yes. uh, he comes, and, and sure enough... They kill all them orcs. And then on, on the <laughs> yeah. other side of Middle Earth, there's there's Frodo and Sam, and they're just they're wandering. They're wandering in the hills of Emin Wheel, and they're just totally lost because when you're in a valley of sharp rocks, they all look the same. And then one night in their mm -hmm. sleep, a creepy dude named Gollum kind of creeps up on him trying to get his ring back. <laughs> And they were totally ready for it because they could smell him, right? You know, Sam's like, I smell foulness in the air. You know, obviously he doesn't smell good. He eats raw fish and never showers. So Gollum probably has quite a stench. And so they capture him. 
He goes a little crazy. He goes nuts. And then Frodo's like, wait a minute. Maybe I'll just refer to him by his original name, Smeagol. And then he's like less nuts and he's nice. And so then he starts becoming nice. And he says he's going to take the hobbits to the Black Gate. And I don't know what these hobbits thought they were going to do once they got to the Black Gate, but <laughs> yeah. he takes them. He's like, I'll take you. Okay, we're going. He's like, you're here now. <laughs> and then and then they're like, holy cow, that's like a gigantic gate. I, you know, I wasn't <laughs> expecting it to be quite that big or quite that yeah. much made out of steel. And so then they're like, well, I guess I guess we're going to go for it. That's I think that's one of the funniest parts of the of the movie. They're just like, okay, we're just going to go for it. You I know? mean, yeah, it's like, <laughs> okay, let's go. <laughs> what, what do you expect is going to happen? There? There, guys. Uh, so anyway, you know, they decide, okay, let's not do this after they almost get caught by the Haradrim soldiers. And then Gollum's like, all right, I'll take you a different way. We're going to go to the stairs of Kirithungal. I don't even think he says that. I think he just says the stairs. But yeah. on their up, way, up, up. yep, on their way, they get captured by some rangers in the woods of Athelion. And sure enough, the one who captured him was Faramir, the brother of Boromir. You know, the guy who the guy who was from the other movie, Boromir. Yeah, and, <laughs> the guy who died, his, and it's his brother. And so, anyway, they're captured for a little bit, and Faramir's just like, "Oh, this is my opportunity. I'm going to take the ring to Gondor," which is like the most frustrating part of the movie because that's not what happens in the books whatsoever. It's just no. not Faramir's character. So a little a bit of decharacterization going on there. But anyway, they go to Osgiliath. There's some Nazgul in the air. Frodo's just like, oh, hey, you want the ring? And then Sam's like, no, you can't give him the ring. Smashes him down the stairs. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they get let go. And then they're going to the stairs of Kirithungul. And that's basically the movie. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was that was it. What do you, Did I miss anything? That's it. Um, no, I mean, there's minor characters running around like the Riders of Rohan, just kind of, they were banished, now they're riding around, and then they go and help, um, them fight at, uh, you know, yeah. no, they don't, they don't help them fight at Helm's Deep, do they? They show up at the, they show up at Gandalf at the at end. At that yeah. very end, yeah, because they're riding around, Gandalf's yeah. like, I gotta go find these guys and bring them back. I got the fastest horse, I better go get, oh, I forgot about Treebeard. So anyway, Merry and Tree- Pippin, yes. they meet up with an ant who's like a walking tree, he talks real deep, and anyway, he kind of picks him up and he thinks they're little orcs, and then they run into Gandalf, and he's like, God, they're not orcs, they're hobbits, and so, you know, they finally mm-hmm. decide, hey, they're not orcs, you know, not orcs, this whole thing is a theme for a while and then the hobbits kind of walk around tree beard find out about things about middle earth they didn't know and then there's an ant moot which all the other ants come and they talk and they take a real long time oh, to yeah. talk the siege of isengard man we completely yeah. forgot about and so yeah. while, while the battle's happening at helm's deep the ants are like you know swaying back and forth having a little conversation saying good morning taking a real long time and then mary and pippin are all like frustrated like hey people are dying out here you don't have time yep. to talk and so anyway, the ants, they decide, hey, we're not going to war. They decide to take the hobbits back, and then Pippin's like, wait a minute, let's go right through Isengard because, you know, Pippin's like, hey, I know what we're going to find over there. going to take the ants off a little bit. And so, you know, Treebeard being the nice little ant he is, he's like, all right, as long as you guys you tell me where my ant wives are if you see them around later, okay? And they're like, sure. So <laughs> then they show up at Isengard, all the trees are, like, burnt down and cut down, and then he does a big roar and, like... The ants destroy mm-hmm. Isengard, which is where Saruman is, and then they, you know, they let the dam loose, and water goes everywhere. They kill a bunch of orcs, and all right, that's the movie. That's <laughs> there you go. Now we're <laughs> that's all of it. That's yep. the movie. All righty. So uh, anyway, just real quick here, uh, a couple differences between the book versus the film. Um, 
I actually think that as far as logical plot stuff, I do think that there's things that happen in the movie where they make the tension a little more. For example, when they go to Helm's Deep, in the book, they're just kind of like, hey, let's go to Helm's Deep because we want to check in with like all of our outposts and make sure yeah. you know everybody is is armored up and and ready for for mm-hmm. battle that is coming and they leave like everybody in Edoras right like the the city like they don't take the women and children and all that stuff like the battle of the westfold that's in the movie isn't in the book and i think to kind of give a little more tension um they're like okay well we got to add some tension so they bring the women and children along and in Helm's Deep yeah. and have them shore up in those caves and stuff. So I do think from like a storytelling perspective, you get people more emotionally mm-hmm. invested in the story if you're like, okay, this is like what they're protecting, fighting for, rather than kind of having, because Helm's Deep's kind of like a generic battle in the books. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's a battle, um, but, you know, it's like, hey, this it's a war, so there's going to be a lot of battles. This is just one of them that happened. Yeah, it's like the focal point of the film when it's all building up to, but in the book, it like it just kind of happens. Yeah, yeah. It's like this is just a battle. Yeah, it's just a battle. And uh another couple differences, like there's there's added action. Uh one of the biggest things is Aragorn falling off that cliff in the movie. Uh I have a little bit of a criticism for that later, but that's not in the books in the film. Mm-mm. Uh yeah. and then, you know, the the film actually cuts off about halfway through Frodo and Sam's story arc. Like mm. their story in the book, the two towers goes all the way to uh, Frodo getting um, poisoned by Sheila. And right. So yeah, they have a very, you know, shortened story in the movie so they can make time for this epic battle. Uh, so this mm-hmm. is just a couple differences, some history and fun facts. First, we're going to start off with the books. So each installment, Zach, you know this because you've read the books. Mm -hmm. Each installment in Lord of the Rings is actually split into two books. And the Two Towers is kind of one of the names that's kind of criticized. It's like, what two towers are you talking about? There's lots of towers in these books. There's, you know, there's Orthanc, there's Kirithungul, there's uh, Minas Morgul, there's um, Baradur. Like, which two towers are you talking about? I think logically in the book's perspective, it's talking about... um, uh, Orthanc, which is where Saruman is, because there's the, Isengard, you know, yep. Isengard, and I think the other one is Minas Morgul, because that's the one in Kirith Ungol when they're going up the stairs of of yeah. Kirith Ungol, right? Okay, so yeah, that's what I think the two towers probably are, hmm. but um, it's kind of an ambiguous title, and the title actually in the movies makes no sense because the hobbits never get to Kirith Ungol. So what no. are the two towers? Well, I guess you could say Orthanc and then Barad-dûr because Barad-dûr, it's more, yeah. Um which th- some might even say I honestly think people who watch it and never read the books, they would say it's Orthanc and Helm's Deep because the sure. way they shaped Helm's Deep, it kind of looks like yeah, a big tower. Does. In the film, so I think people would say, "Oh yeah, it's Helm's Deep," and they would say Isengard because I don't think they ever say Orthanc in the movie. Maybe they do, but um, yeah, I think people would say that okay. because they wouldn't they wouldn't know really where the hobbits are going because they don't even go there in the movie. And then 
I don't know if they would remember Bardadour from like the first movie when Gandalf <laughs> mentions it. That's true. That's true. I mean, they do have some like shots of Bardadour in Two Towers. That's true. That's true. Yeah, um, the eye searching for yeah, him. Yeah, just to remind you that he's he's like there. You know. Yeah. S- yeah. Sauron is still the main threat. Um, but anyway, when Tolkien was mm-hmm. going through and naming the stories, he actually had names for. Uh, for those of you who haven't read the books, each book, each installment actually has two books in it. So so Lord of the Rings is actually six parts, right? There's book one, two, three, four, five, six. And so Two Towers is actually books three and four. And book three uh, was called The Treason of Isengard. That's the name that Tolkien had for it, which makes a lot of sense because that's exactly what it covers. And yep. then book four, he was either going to call The Journey of the Ring Bearers or The Ring Goes East. And in the Millennium Edition of the book, they ended up calling it The Ring Goes East. But those names uh, make a lot more sense than uh, The Two Towers, in my opinion. But that's because an author was forced to give a title to something that he hadn't originally planned. Um, mm. So, anyway, uh, also fun fact from the books is that one of the most powerful scenes in the first movie, The Death of Boromir, actually occurs in the first chapter of The Two Towers. So, yep. there's a lot of strong moments in the films that take place in different movies. The Death of Boromir, Shelob, The Near Death mm. of Frodo... Um, so much stuff that happens, uh, also, uh, showing up at Isengard that happens in, you know, the third movie, like there's a lot of stuff that happens mm-hmm. that's iconic in the films that are actually part of the second book. So, so there's really, really good stuff in the second book that gets cut from the films and put into other ones. Uh, yeah. Some fun facts about the film. Didn't know this until today. John Rhys Davies, the actor who plays Gimli, he actually does the voiceover for Treebeard. Did you know that? Oh, I can kind of hear it now, though. Isn't now that, that I think about, I mean, yeah, ah, oh, that's awesome. A Treebeard's one of my favorite characters in the movie and the book, so yeah. that's that's awesome. Yeah, I can hear it now. That I'm picturing Treebeard's voice and. Gimli's voice, but it's it's very low yeah. for a tree beard. Yeah, and and so another thing, guys. This is why I think we'll probably never quite get a battle like that of Helm's Deep on a screen ever again. Um, the Battle of Helm's Deep took them over four months to shoot, and they only oh. they only shot at night. Like they didn't use any. Uh, movie magic for nighttime. They legitimately only shot at night. The rain machine was always on because it's always raining in the scene. So they always had the rain machine on. And the total amount of footage they captured for Helm's Deep was 20 hours worth of footage that they had to edit down. Four months. 20 hours. That they had to edit down to however long the scene is. I I would probably guess there's probably about 30 to 40 minutes worth of Helm's Deep footage, which is a long battle. Like, it's a lot of battle. But, dude, 20 hours of footage for... 40 minutes? What is one of the best battles ever made for the screen, Um, in my opinion? But I don't know. I don't know if a lot of... I don't know if a lot of directors, filmmakers, actors would be willing to do this for a battle. I don't yeah, you know. I dude. 
That's insane. I didn't know it took that long. I mean, I know it is epic. Like seeing that behind the scenes footage of Mm -hmm. how they shot it and all those actors and costume and makeup. And then like to have four months of shooting time and then all that for 30 to 40 minutes of film time is that is dedication to the movie, the idea, the craft that is honestly the the lengths people go to to film things that is impressive man that's staggering yeah honestly that's that's nuts could you imagine editing and this is just a portion of the movie editing out 20 hours worth of footage like how do you choose what's the best you know yeah how do you distill that down to 30 40 minutes of 20 hours of film that's nuts wow So that's impressive. So another thing I found was interesting too, right? Andy Serkis, he kind of really made a name for himself in this movie. I don't think anyone knew who Andy Serkis was before he played Gollum. And then we were introduced to the overwhelming talent that is Andy Serkis. Like this guy's incredible. Um, But he based his desperation and craving for the ring and his character Gollum off of the behavior of heroin addicts. Um, Wow. Which now you think about it, Gollum looks like a heroin addict. So it's like, it <laughs> yeah. makes a lot of sense. So in, in deep with that, <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That, um, that's I'm glad he did that because that ring, the ring represents many things, mm-hmm. but temptation is one of those things. Temptation to something that you know doesn't really have a good outcome, but. Like, I mean, it is, it's addiction. Like, it's like, okay, I know this is bad for me, but I can't really help it. I just kind of like it for that brief fleeting feeling or that, you know, that, that power in that moment that immediately goes away. Um, so that's, that's a very apt, um, you know, actor decision to be like, I'm going to base this off of something that everyone kind of universally experienced not just heroin addicts yeah. but like people that are like i know this drink isn't really good for me but mm-hmm. i kind of want to take it or i know eating this fried sandwich isn't really good for me but oh boy like that would just make me so happy right now yeah. and then you eat it and you're like oh i feel awful so yeah. yeah that's 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 awesome yeah but hey man we talked about this movie a couple weeks ago it actually got brought up briefly in our conversation about gladiator and so mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about your initial impact, your early impressions of the two towers. We've kind of given the summary. We've laid some some history. Tell me what this movie or the book, whichever one you want to talk about first, what was it like for you, Zach, the first time you experienced this story? Okay. The first time... The first time I actually ever experienced this story, I only experienced it in... A paragraph I it was in um, it was in high school it was in English class I think it was either honors or maybe it was our AP English I think it was honors um, and our teacher wanted us to pick a segment or a passage of something that we were like this is good writing and maybe it was in my creative writing class i can't remember because i had the same teacher for all three of those classes but she wanted us to pick out a passage 
of a book that she was like, this is beautiful writing. This is good writing. This is what the, this is what you define as good writing. And so like, I don't know, some people picked the great Gatsby. Some people picked, um, I don't know. It's like uh, a passage of Shakespeare, you know, stuff like that. And I remember one girl in our class, she picked the two towers and she picked the description of Treebeard's eye in the in the two towers, because there's a there's a passage in there when Mary and Pippin first meet Treebeard and Tolkien's describing Treebeard. And for anyone who's ever read the books, you we all know he can go into some lengthy description of a tree branch and it's going to be the most beautiful passage you've ever read about a tree branch, but it's going to be like an entire page. And so when she said this girl in class was like, I picked the two towers. I was like, Oh heck yeah. So she picks a passage from the two towers that of all the passages, all the beauty that is the two towers. She picks Treebeard's eye and of course it ends up being like a glorious beautiful passage about this eye and he goes into such detail so that was the first time I ever experienced Lord of the Rings was Treebeard's eye and or at least Lord of the Rings at two towers so um actually I said this is the first time I got my timeline backwards here first time with the book first time with the book yes first time with the movie was when I was a child. I was, ah, man, I, I, I mean, I was 12, 13 years old, probably, yeah, probably around there. And my parents had gotten us the Lord of the Rings, the DVD. And instead, I don't know why they did this, but instead of buying us the first one, the second one, the third one, we just owned the second one, <laughs> like the dead middle of the entire series of this epic fantasy series it's awesome we owned the we owned the second movie didn't own the first didn't own the third yeah and so and it was a three-hour movie and so i i really like this movie because i don't really remember seeing it in theaters with my dad i know i did at one point i don't it's not as vivid of a memory as the first time i saw lord of the rings in theaters and the third time i saw like the third movie Mm -hmm. so um I don't remember the second one as much, but I remember this DVD that my parents got us and my brother and I would watch it every time we went on a a road trip. Anytime we went out to Maryland to see my family in Maryland, anytime we went to South Carolina on vacation, anytime we went anywhere for a baseball trip, anything Mm -hmm. we watched, we brought Lord of the Rings, the two towers because we know, Hey, no matter how long this road trip is, we're killing three hours watching this movie. Actually, we're enjoying it. I probably saw this movie, um, I mean, 15, 20 times just <laughs> over the years of watching it. Um, and it, like, it got to a point where I'm like, I don't even really like this movie anymore, but I know it kills three hours of time. And there's certain time. moments. Yeah. Yeah. It, there's certain moments like in the movie that I still enjoy enough to want to watch, but I don't really like at that time I was like, I don't really like this movie anymore. It's just, you know, a time killer. Mm-hmm. And, and so I just remember watching this movie on every stinking road trip we would take. 
Like, I mean, you know, everything's coming and, you know, the lines, you know, the battles. And so it's a movie that has sentimental value to me because it's it's my road trip movie as a kid. Mm -hmm. It's a movie that we watched every time we went out and it was a movie that I thought I probably wouldn't be able to watch again. But then you know, years later we're watching, I I want Leah to sit down and watch these movies with me Mm -hmm. and we get to the second one. And I remember feeling excited again. I was like, Oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. I remember this movie better than any other (laughs) of the two, like, uh, uh, like the other two. And I found myself really enjoying it again. And the funny thing is, man, I enjoy the second book a lot, I think, because of this movie, because it's so vivid in my memory. And I know they deviate a lot, but I think that makes it even better because I know the movie so well. Mm -hmm. And then when I finally read the book, I was like, wow, these are so different. But like, I just know them both so well now, both better than the other two parts that like the two towers just has a special place, you know, in my heart because you know, I just kind of grew up with it because there's the only movie we owned. And I, the funny thing was I didn't get to actually watch Fellowship of the Ring after it came out in theaters until, you know, I was probably 17 and I got to see it okay. again. So there was like five years <laughs> where I just never watched the first one. I just watched the second. And then nice. eventually we bought the third one so we could watch the second and the third one. But I just didn't watch the first one for like five years <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> and then got to nice. finally like catch up uh, again on everything. But yeah, man. So my first time was like <clears throat> with the movie was when I was a kid. And then with, you know, uh, I, with the book was when I was in, when high school and I was like, man, yeah. this is beautiful. I got to read mm-hmm. this. So how about you, man? What was your, I'm sure you have great stories with this. This oh, is your favorite, well, man. This is your favorite yeah, series. I mean, the, the memories of all things, Lord of the Rings are, are quite, are quite vivid, especially the first two. Cause I was the most excited about the first two movies coming out. Um, and, and so anyway, I remember it was, it was Christmas time. Christmas break had come. I was off of school mm-hmm. and I just, I needed to get somebody to take me to the movies. It was, it was out and like a bunch of my friends had seen it. I wasn't able to go in their groups for some reason or another. And I just needed somebody to take me to the movies. And so I got home. I think I had slept over a friend's house or something. Got home and my brother was up like early morning and had moved the PlayStation 2 into like our family room. Don't know why. Uh Normally it was like in his room, but for some reason he brought it into the family room. Maybe wanted to play on the bigger TV, right? And Mm -hmm. so he's playing a game on on the screen and I'm like, is that Lord of the Rings? He's like, yeah, it's this awesome new video game. It's based on it's based on the new movie that just came out, Two Towers. Me and my me and my friend went and saw it last night. I was like, oh yeah, well thanks for asking me if I want to go. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, I'm renting this movie from Blockbuster, and, uh, and so he was playing for a while, and I was like, hey, can I give it a try? He's like, yeah, yeah, give it a try. And so I sat and I like played this game 
all day. I don't think I moved. I like got home from a sleepover and I just sat in my family room and played <laughs> yeah. through this game all day. So the game actually covers events from the first and the second movie. And so I like knew everything that was going to happen in the second movie because I played through the game mm. and it like reveals all the story or whatever. However, I'm just like, I got to go see this movie. And so uh, anyway, uh, it, it comes to the end of the weekend and I'm like, oh man, we're going to have to take this movie back to Blockbuster. And then my brother, he's like, hey, I was just joking about the Blockbuster thing. I was going to wait till Christmas, but... This game's your birthday present. I mean, your, oh, your Christmas present. Oh, said, this no. game's your Christmas present. <laughs> and he was playing. He was it. playing. Man, he totally bought it for himself, and then and then just <laughs> yeah. and then just was like, ah, oh, well, it's no, your Christmas man. present. But still sweet because I still have I still have the PlayStation Two disc to this day. It's in my it's in my little folder of PlayStation Two games in the yeah. other room. I don't even have a PlayStation Two anymore. I've just kept some of the discs because it's like. I remember these, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And, yeah, I get that. And so the following weekend comes, and then my sister comes home from college, and she, uh, she's she got a boyfriend. And um, I think to myself, you know, I was always, I was a pretty savvy kid. It's like, all right, this guy likes my sister. My sister likes me. And uh, my sister's like, hey, is there anything you want to do while I'm home? I was like, you want to go to the movies? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was like, okay. Well played. Well played. <laughs> okay, yeah, we can go to movies. Which one do you want to see? And and I'm like, got to see the new Lord of the Rings movie. And she's like, okay, yeah, 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 I'll take you. Me and uh, me and boyfriend here will go with you. We'll take you. And so I don't know what happened in the following uh, next couple of hours. We get ready to go to the movies. Then come to find out my sister somehow backs out of the movie. She's like, probably found oh, out no. the type of movie it was, but that didn't want to disappoint me. So she makes yeah. this random boyfriend that she has who I don't even know hardly other than the fact that, you know, he's into my sister and he's at my house at Christmas time. Must be serious. Wasn't that serious. Never saw the guy again <laughs> after this. But um, <laughs> anyway, he got oh, man. he got conned into taking the little brother to go see <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Yeah, you're like, yo, any way I could get there, man. So, I don't care. <laughs> so me and some just like random dude my sister's dating show up and we watch <laughs> the movie. We, first of all. We get into the theater like right as it's starting, and I'm like sprinting yeah. in there because I like hear the movie <laughs> starting. And yeah. I like and I like tuck into a seat, and the the kid didn't see where I went, and so I, he's like looking for me in the theater, but hardly knows what I look right like right because he hardly knows yeah. me. But I'm just like, he oh, I'm here now. Screw this guy as long as I can get a ride home later. <laughs> yeah. I'm fine. So so anyway. In my seat, and I just remember the beginning of the movie and thinking to myself, like, okay, so we're rehashing, we're rehashing a scene from the Fellowship of the Ring. So yeah. I, I know how this happens. So I obviously didn't miss too much. And uh, I just remember just loving every second of this movie. And every once in a yeah. while, I would look over and the guy was not into the film, like at all. Like, this, is, <laughs> this was like your stereotypical, like early 2000s frat guy. And I know you were in a fraternity and, and, yeah. and you don't live up to all the stereotypes, but this guy lived up to like every stereotype. Right, like, he had like the, he had <laughs> yeah. like the, yeah. the yeah. polo shirt on and the ridiculous smelling cologne to, you know, and the, 
in the, the spiked up hair, early 2000s spiked up hair, like total frat yeah. guy, like through and through. And the, he's the kind of guy, as I've heard described, the the kind of guy who smacks a door frame on his way out of a room, <laughs> like hits the top, like for no reason other than just to like hit it and move yeah, on. Exactly. Like, like, and not just like a tap, just to like stretch the arms, like a real smack, like a real like. <laughs> no. Oh, like, I am leaving. Like he wants people to see him hit the yeah, right. door frame. It's <laughs> so so. Anyway, <laughs> I you know I I'm kind and I'm like, hey, did you like the movies? Like I had no idea what was going on, and uh, <laughs> and then in my head I'm like, ah, yeah, I like this guy. I mean, I hope my sister dumps yeah. him. He's a total loser. Doesn't know yeah, what good film guy. is. And uh-huh. I just, I remember, and I, I that's a vivid memory to me. That was the first time I saw it in the theaters. I know I ended up getting my dad to take me to, um, you know, and, and I had to kind of act like I had never seen it before because if they found out, if he found out I had gone and seen it with, like, random frat bro, he probably wouldn't have taken me. But yeah, I got to see it twice in the theaters. Dude, that's awesome. And, uh, that's awesome. But as far as, like, my first experience with the book is I felt, after I finished the first book, I read the first book when I was 13. I It was my, it was the summer of my seventh grade year, and, and I loved the movies, and I was like, I got to get through these books, and I tried, and I tried, and I tried, and I tried, and I always liked reading, but it, it's a very slow read, and and if you don't have like an appreciation, because because Tolkien also tries to capture more of like an older writing style, even from like his contemporary time. You know, he was writing yeah. in the fifties, and he's trying to write like his writings hundreds of years old. You know, that was that was like mm-hmm. an intentional art form, and so that was a struggle for me. But I remember feeling so accomplished after finishing the first book. I was like, you know, yeah, hey, it took me all summer. But I got through, you know, I, I got through, um, I felt accomplished. And I remember mm-hmm. getting really excited for the second book because I'm like, yes, this is the one where all the action's going to be and all the fighting. Yeah. And then you start and you're like reading about the death of Boromir and you're like, but where's like the action scene where they're killing all the orcs? Where, Where's that? <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, you got, you know, Merry and Pippin. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this scene is, like, way longer in the books than it is in the movie. They're just, like, marching with orcs, drinking, like, some weird drink. So, and they're actually running along. They're not even getting carried. Like, what the heck is going on? This is is nothing like what I expected. And I just remember really struggling to continue on in this book for a long time. Like, I I think I put it down... And I didn't revisit it till like the summer of my freshman year in high school. And then at that point, I read two and three. But um, this was always one that for the longest time, I always kind of just kind of put it there. It's like, ah, it's probably my least favorite in the trilogy. But as time has gone by, some, you know, my thoughts on Two Towers have very much changed because it is a phenomenal book. Um, mm. It's a good movie, but it is a phenomenal book for, yeah, for a lot absolutely. of reasons. Um, yeah. But I agree. Now that we've kind of done our initial impact, you know, before we do our lasting appeal and give our closing thoughts on it, I do have a couple questions for you on the two towers okay. that I'd like to talk about. First, it has, in my opinion, one of the most entertaining battle scenes in all of cinema. And mm-hmm. for its time, I, I you know, it's hard because I haven't seen every movie and you haven't seen every movie. Nobody has. But for its time, it had to have been the best 
mm. battle scene, at least like medieval battle scene that had ever been done on screen. It, it had to have been. Because um, it still like holds up today. But 20 years mm. later, do you think there has been a battle scene in a film you've seen or a show you've seen that has rivaled or surpassed the Battle of Helm's Deep? Or, or even gotten close? Mm. Battle scene. <sighs> okay, I'll say this. I think... It's not as epic, all right? But if we're going th- for, like, realistic but at the same time stylistic, mm-hmm. I would say if you've ever seen the movie Master and Commander, I think not. the boat battle scenes – have you not seen that? Mm-mm. Oh, my gosh. I, I highly, 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 highly recommend this movie. Um, but the boat – battle scenes i mean the whole movie summarized in russell crowe and his crew of like british sailors are chasing down a french warship that's the entire movie and the fights between the two ships are just intense man because it's like it's old like you know 19th century warfare so it's just like cannons firing at each other and like wood just blowing up and splintering and guys like coughing through like the smoke and trying to fire stuff it's like it is intense and i think very much how it would have been like in a in a sea battle um but is it as iconic and epic i think that's what two towers has going for it it is epic like it is the forces of orcs and orakai just you know smashing against the walls of helm's deep and trying to get in and just the the last stand of man at at the time you know before there's another last stand of man in the you know third one but um i would say that master and commander maybe gets close to it but I I like even the Star Wars battles, man. It's just like there's nothing as epic as the two towers final battle scene um, at Helm's Deep. So um, I I think a lot of it, too, is just you keep going at this, but I think a lot of it, too, is because of the way it's shot. Like it really doesn't look like CGI like. Yeah, there are things yeah. that you can tell, but because they actually used miniatures for you know the wide pans and the scaling, they really wanted it to look real. And yeah. so there's there is like this constant connection with this feeling like a real battle while you're watching it, rather than mm-hmm. you know you do the random wide pan and you have a bunch of CGI s- soldiers running around and you're like, oh yeah, those are fake. Uh, you yeah. Know. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's one thing I think. It does really well, but yeah. Sorry. <clears throat> no, I was just gonna say my final point to that. I think people nowadays would probably say the final battle scene in Endgame was epic and might be a great battle scene because you've got all the forces of good against Thanos and all of his forces of evil. And there is that iconic shot in Endgame of mm-hmm. you know captain america standing up and kind of just facing alone yeah the entirety of thanos and evil yeah. but 
it's just so CGI'd and it's mm-hmm. so, I mean, it's a superhero movie, so it's kind of hard to like really get on board with the, the entertaining and the epicness of it. Um, I think if we're going to entertaining purposes, they're probably kind of similar because I mean, you got, you know, G- Gimli and Legolas cracking jokes and mm-hmm. during the battle. And then you have like, obviously in Marvel, all the jokes and stuff happening then. But I think that would, uh, my, to summarize it and wrap it all up. I think, um, I think people would say end game. What is an epic <clears throat> battle scene and would rival the two towers. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and the thing that's interesting too, is for, all intents and purposes, the battles in Return of the King are bigger, right? Mm-hmm. Like larger scale. But even those, I feel like, because just because some of the things they decided to do with the army of the dead and the Legolas on the you know elephant, yeah. and all that, they they really yeah. made it feel less grounded. Because you know you have Legolas doing his ridiculous bow work in all of the films, but in the third yeah. one it just kind of got like, oh, okay, next so, level. <laughs> so we're yeah. really taking this one into yeah. next one. You know, I actually recently watched a battle scene that I think is one of the better ones I've seen recently. And another reason I thought it was impressive is because of the budget they must have been working on. But, you know, like you know, I've been watching Game of Thrones. And mm-hmm. a lot of people who talk about Game of Thrones battle scenes, they kind of talk about the ones later in the series. However, you know, I'm I'm on season seven now. I'm first episode of season seven. So I've seen a lot of stuff. I've seen a fair share of battles. But to this point, the best battle I've seen in the show, no one ever talks about it. I've looked at like top 10 lists, best episode lists. No one ever talks about it. The battle scene towards the end of season four called The Watchers on the Wall, where the Night's Watch fight all Mm. the wildlings, that's one of the better battles I've seen on screen in a long time. And I think part of it is because from a storytelling perspective, everything they're doing whether or not it's legit battle strategy or not, within the story it is. You know, within the story, Mm -hmm. you know, they have a strategy. Whereas I think, you know, when you're just throwing action out there for action's sake, like, we've all been entertained watching people kill other people pretend, right? Like, you know, yeah. You watch Taken, right? You watch Liam Neeson kill a bunch of people. It's it's entertaining, right? It's it's fun to watch people mm-hmm. play pretend death. But I think one of the things that sets like Helms Deep apart is you're also from a storytelling perspective somewhat involved in the actual strategic side of the battle. And I think that's kind of yeah. what sets these types of battles apart is like all right, it's really cool when you have great action, but I think you go the next level in making it immersive if, like, you are seeing the tactics and how certain tactics work and how certain countermaneuvers, you know, exploit those tactics. And I think when a film can do that, and obviously that happens, uh, both of those things happen with the Battle of Helm's Deep and in the Two Towers. Another great battle scene in a movie. uh, You know, I don't know... If I would say the movie overall is amazing, but a John a John Woo film from maybe like uh, 2010. I thought you were gonna say John Wick. No, a John was like yeah, John, those John are Woo. Sweet. Um, uh, from like early 2000s, he made a film called Red Cliff, which is based off of mm. um, 
like a, a battle from ancient China. Uh, one of my favorite okay. like mythologies, the Romance of the Three Kingdoms. It's one of the battles from there. Um, and it's about the Battle of Cherby, which is like this epic naval battle from early. Ch- it, it is it is a phenomenal battle scene because the whole movie's about the battle, right? So you know the strategy, okay. you see the espionage, you see how it all plans out, and then you see how it works, and then you get mm-hmm. to see the awesome action pay off at the end. So that's really well done. But I gotta say, man, not a lot of things rival mm-hmm. Helm's Deep. A movie we talked about a couple weeks ago, the opening battle to Gladiator. That's another really good battle scene. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, yeah. there's there's something about, like like I mentioned before, being in on the strategy versus, you know, you know Braveheart, right? Where it's cool battle, right? But it's yeah. essentially just guys running out into a field and just slashing yeah, that each does other bring- up, you know? <laughs> That other element to it is when you can kind of get invested in the strategy behind it. Mm-hmm. It gives you that extra character development, that extra emotional investment into whatever side you're rooting for, which is usually the side that the movie wants you to. But if you just have explosions and fights, I mean, we can all go watch, you know, Pacific Rim in like sweet fights and battles there you know we can all go watch 300 and even though it's a cool movie i wouldn't consider it like epic um in the sense of like lord of the rings or power so i i think i think you're right i think the more you can kind of get behind the strategy of the war of the battle of the espionage kind of elements i guess 300 is kind of unfair because there are, are those elements but I think it's just so stylized and green screened. It's kind of hard for me to a lot of green get on board with considering <laughs> it. Yeah. The, like one of the top battle movies, but um, yeah, you bring up a good point, man. I think that's, that's part of going into a battle scene in an epic war scene in, um, in a movie is like, can you get your audience kind of emotionally invested, yeah. which I'm curious, like, what do you think of, like, the opening scene of, like, Saving Private Ryan? You know, that's that's interesting because I feel like that's an emotional scene, but it feels it feels more like an action scene than, like, a, a battle scene. Like, this is an opening-to-the-movie action type of scene, and I think part of it is because you're, you're legitimately watching your heroes lose. I think that also kind of makes you process it differently like the opening to saving Mm. private ryan is very emotional like a hugely emotional opening very sad right um also like eye-opening to the fact of like like that's another thing i would say you know like a movie like lord of the rings isn't going to do as well one it's pg-13 one it's not a device in the storytelling but a, a powerful thing in saving private ryan done is like in the midst of war in the midst of battle yes you know, you're telling the stories because eventually the good guys are going to win. But also you have to give the emotional side of like a lot of people you like, they're going to die. Right. Because that's just yeah. that's just battle. Right. Like loved people die in war um, where, you know, I think Saving Private Ryan kind of gives you that element right from the beginning of like, hey, mm. kids died, you know, young teenage boys, you know, people on the cusp of, you know, their 20s dying. Right. Just yeah 10 seconds gone um right so yeah i think it's very emotional i think it's very realistic but for me like 
I don't know. I I feel I feel less and maybe it's just because it feels too modern, but I just always feel more excited about like a medieval or a melee based battle. And maybe part of it is too like mm. there is that side of there you know when you're watching historical fiction play out there is the reality of the historical like oh man like this really happened yeah um and you, you have a much <laughs> yeah. less romanticized view of battle so but yeah yeah it's not as stylized yeah, yeah. so I, for me i i don't know i just don't yeah. think of it in the same lens i don't think of saving private ryan opening storming of the beach in the same lens as i would like a battle scene from you know uh lord of the rings any of them or you know from a game of thrones or even from you know braveheart or you know uh what's that one movie mm. king arthur you know there's a pretty big battle scene in there you know yeah i just don't think of it in the same way mm-hmm. um part of it could be it's just a little bit too mm. too much in the you know recent past like too too close to the you know history still affecting us today yeah. i don't know um hmm. i don't know it's interesting but, yeah no i get that i get that that fantasy element versus being too real too recent um and you're right yeah i think oh say an action sequence that kind of sets the tone of the movie rather than like the culmination of the movie yeah. which is what Helm's Deep's battle is. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So, uh we're actually I'm going to I'm going to skip this second question here. We'll just go straight to the third one. Um I kind of walked away from Two Towers and and this is kind of what I still think about it. Like The Fellowship of the Ring was a groundbreaking movie, big movie, sold a lot of tickets, but still like Fellowship of the Ring still has very like fantasy element to it you got the yeah. you got the wizard the ranger the dwarf the elf the hobbits like it's like okay this mm-hmm. is this is nerd stuff which is fine yeah. i love it i absolutely mm-hmm. love it it's my kind of thing but i feel like because the two towers focus so much on the action and this just was like a heart pumping movie through and through i felt mm-hmm. like the two towers was the movie that really got the lord of the rings in this area of like okay this is some cool stuff where like didn't matter if you like fantasy or not you're gonna go see two towers and hey if you liked action if you liked battle if you liked war if you liked you know film done to epic um proportion then hey there you could get over the fantasy there's a lot to like here and i feel like the two towers just kind of put the Lord of the Rings in this place of being being a cool thing, right? And bringing Lord of the Rings back into cultural relevance, you know, f- you know, fifty years or forty years after kind of being out of its heyday, and it, it I just feel like this film. I could be overstating it, but this film did a lot for the fantasy genre in really, really mm. popularizing it because. Don't get me wrong, you got to give Fellowship of the Ring the credit for getting, you know, the ball rolling and being successful and being really good. But I feel like because this movie successfully took the film in a direction of something that people were going to like as well as it just fit the story well, you know, it just kind of put it in. I always, I consider it to be like, this is the movie that made it cool. I could be wrong. It could be Mm. Fellowship that made it cool. 
it made it amazing for me, right? Like from from day yeah. one, I was invested into Fellowship, but I just feel like this movie was when the franchise just mm-hmm. it took off. In anticipation for the third film was insane. Um, yeah, but what do you think about that? <clears throat> just from mm-hmm. maybe your experience, your memory. Yeah, I think it got amongst my friends definitely more popular after the second one. I think the first one was like, oh, okay, this is an interesting fantasy story. It's got all of, I mean, in 2002, this is like Dungeons and Dragons. It's like my reference to fantasy. Yeah. And I think a lot of my friends' references to fantasy. Nobody was really reading this book. And if they were, it was kind of like, I don't know. This was, that was off the beaten path. Yeah. So I think that um, for my friends, and me, this was the movie that did make it cool to be kind of nerdy. And this is, I think, also around the time when I started doing more of like role playing games as well. And it was heavily influenced by Lord of the Rings. And since I watched, you know, the two towers a billion times, I was like, well, this is my reference <laughs> to fantasy. So I, I think and if I re- remember it correct, like Lord of the Rings became more pop culture after the second one like it was a it was popular after the first one but then it kind of went away because you know they're like star wars came out and you had like that big, big franchise starting up again and then you know two towers hits and that i think launched it into pop culture where you're getting like bobbleheads of characters and you know you were getting comic cons where people were dressing up like everybody and like i think that was the year all the most like legos is walking walking around as like a so you know you had just a bunch of people now jumping into the genre because i think of the second one which boosted the third one and made it i think so fun to see for me whenever we get to talking about that one i think that was the most fun theater experience i had um was you know, return of the King. So I, I would, I would agree with you, man. I think the second one launched both just nerd culture, fantasy nerd culture into the spotlight of, Hey, this is cool. This is fun to like, because it's winning all these awards yeah. and like people are celebrating it. So it, Hollywood thinks it's cool now. Mm-hmm. So like, it's cool to be a nerd. It's cool to like fantasy. You're not some weirdo in your base yeah. anymore. Yeah. So I think, this yanked nerds out of the basement and like now now girls were like oh it's cool i love that he's so nerdy like (laughs) that thank you two towers like you you helped everyone out so um yeah i would agree with that man i i think this definitely made it a lot more popular and made liking fantasy cooler and it got me started on other fantasy genres like it kind of opened the world of fantasy to me so i started reading reading um uh like robert jordan's the um what's it wheel of time the uh i wheel of time i have the world i have it like sitting right over there um i have the world and i started reading terry pratchett because of lord of the rings so like he just branched off and all this stuff so um yeah man i think uh two towers it's responsible for all that yeah 
All right. Well, I'm glad we agree on that. I just feel like this was the one, the big one. And then we'll just yeah. kind of go in here. We'll give your us your we'll give you our lasting appeal here of this story, kind of our final closing thoughts. Um, first thing I'll say is about the book. So the book, The Two Towers. This is one that, and this is Tolkien's writing in general. Like I hate to say this because the movies were so successful for a younger audience, but the books just don't resonate as well with a younger person as they will with an adult. Like there are just, right. because this is, you know, the Lord of the Rings is very much an exploration of, of life through this mythology that, that Tolkien's had. Like you see a lot of different components of life. Like the younger hobbits are kind of the picture of youthful yeah. ignorance. And, and Aragorn is kind of that picture of like, Hey, the guy who's got to do the right thing. Boromir is probably the most grounded character in just being torn, right? Like most, like there's just a lot of subtle mm-hmm. elements to Lord of the Rings that I feel like when you're younger, you're not going to appreciate as much unless you've kind of been maybe into the genre of fantasy and kind of worked your way there, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. while I would love to say the Lord of the Rings is the starting point for fantasy. I feel like lighter fantasy first might be better and then kind of work your way up, you know? And and Two Towers is one of those books because if you've seen the movie first, you're going to have a very different expectation of this book and then you're going to start reading it and you're going to be start reading about Treebeard's Eye and you're going to be like, what in the world is this book? (laughs) (laughs) Why won't he stop talking? But those, now, those are some of my favorite parts of the book. I love Treebeard's dialogue in the book because it's like, this is the mystery of Middle Earth, right? Like, he's revealing to you all the magical aspects of the world. Yeah. Um, and then just, like, thoughts on the movie here, final thoughts on the movie is there are some things in the movie that I think the movie does well for film purposes but just totally wrong for storytelling Aragorn falling off that cliff, like I mentioned earlier, like this is supposed to be a grounded fantasy universe and he survives a fall off a super cliff just so that they can have the hero returns arc. And it's like, you don't have to do that in this movie. You already did it with Gandalf. You're going to do it (laughs) again. You don't have to have it happen like multiple times in one movie. Like you don't have to raise the tension even more. I think we all get the point, right? Like, um, we didn't need to miss Aragorn because we all knew as soon as he fell off that cliff, like, Oh, he's not dead. Like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) exactly. I mean, we know there's a third movie called return of the King (laughs) and we all know. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so I've, feel like that wasn't necessary and then i feel like the the portrayal of faramir as all you know constantly wanting to live up to his father's expectations be what boromir was to his dad that's just not who the character was like in the books Faramir is his own man. He's different. He's different than Boromir, and he's okay with that. Like, he'll listen to his father out of respect because he's a man of honor. That's who he is. But at the end of the day... He he does do the right thing. He lets Sam and Frodo go without being conflicted to, you know, take the ring. Some of that just really bothered me because it's like, well, you're just making Faramir like Mm. Boromir 2.0. 
And that wasn't the point of the brothers. Yeah. The point of the brothers were that they were very different. Um, in fact, Faramir was a lot more like his father in being, you know, good with the books and a master of lore. And, and Boromir was more of like what Denethor never could be, which is why he like idolized him, right? Um, yeah. So yeah. that mm. was just one, that's one of my criticisms of the film. But overall, I'll sit down and I'll watch this movie any day of the week for any reason yeah. whatsoever. And I will enjoy the heck out of it. Even the elves come into Helm's Deep, and that's totally not in the books whatsoever. But I'm completely fine with it. Because as I mentioned earlier, in a battle scene, you need to take something away that gives the audience emotion. They did it with Haldir because they're like, well, we know in the books none of the main characters die. So let's take someone you've at least seen before add some emotion to it because like you do want to have somewhat of a, even though you know the good guys are going to win, it's good to kind of in battle to be reminded like, Hey, people you care about die, not just the extras, you know, Mm -hmm. like it doesn't have the same weight when it's only, you know, the NPCs getting killed. Right. Like you got, you got to take someone who matters away. And I feel like that's why they did it with the two towers, which is why I can totally excuse it. I know it's not like, perfectly in line with the books but at the same time i mean you 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 got to give some emotion for an on-screen experience and i feel like that's what they did so yeah yeah no i agree man i agree with a lot of what you said i think for me just to wrap up quickly if you're gonna come into this and you're you know over the age of 18 probably read the book first go for that first then watch the movie just to you know, get the two perspectives, but I think the book is, is, is a good starting place. I think if you're younger, um, yeah, the movie I think is the way to go. It's just a P it's a mass appeal. Mm -hmm. You got the battles, you got the characters that are fun and silly at, at times, but serious. And you got the plot arcs or the character arcs. And so I think in that sense, it's more appealing to a younger person. I think if you want to really, dive into not only the characters thoughts and feelings but like just the beauty of Tolkien's language I think he really hits a stride in the second book or Mm -hmm. in the middle of his writing since he wrote it all as kind of one big book um but you get he really starts hitting his stride in the second one and some of my favorite passages my some of those beautiful language Mm -hmm. in the English language comes I think in the second book so um definitely one of my favorite ones to get to when i read lord of the rings every year is the second one it's also the shortest so it kind of feels like i get through it quicker um but um it's still one of my favorite books and like this movie's just always got a special place in my heart man just because of how much i've watched (laughs) it and so um yeah i did We've we've exhausted a lot of what I've said. Um, yeah, you know, go watch. If you haven't seen it, it's worth watching. Definitely watch the first one first, so you kind of they give you a quick recap of the beginning. But if you 
really want to know the characters and be invested in them, watch Fellowship first. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's a little slower, but it's still a good movie. It's still a great movie, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, go ahead. Go out there. Watch this. If you've seen it one time or if you've seen it a hundred times, if you've never seen it, go watch it. Pick up the book if you can. If you've never read The Lord of the Rings, do yourself a favor. You know, it's just, it's one of those iconic pieces of literature in the English language. We We really... When you mm-hmm. think about it, the amount of iconic literature in English is much smaller than the rest of the written languages in the in the world. Um, so, you know, as far as like history mm-hmm. goes, and it's it's rare for something to land on that, right? So, and I feel like Lord of the Rings yeah. kind of lands there. Um, there's a lot of early century masterpieces, but uh, Lord of the Rings is. Is, is, a, is a good one, and it needs to be read mm-hmm. and known. So thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you next time on Parallel Quest. But for now, we're saying bye-bye. Bye.